Hello, and welcome to episode 201 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever no ways, the man, the myth, the... <laughs> Alessandro Boelsi. Say hello, Al. You flicked too hard. <laughs> it's embarrassing for you. <laughs> On this week's episode, Sir Big Spur, LS Dunes, Miguel Sapochnik exits Hot D. Don't Google Hot D. D23 Expo, <laughs> the Emmys, all before diving into our flick of the week, Thor, Love and Thunder. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We are drinking Carton Brewing's Scoot, 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 which is a New England double IPA, which I think that's the first time we've had one of those specifically. I feel like that's the first time I've ever had a double IPA that's a New England style double IPA. Mm. We've had many double IPAs. We've had many New England IPAs. I don't think we've had a New England. I've, I've definitely had double New Englands, but I don't know that we've done them on the show. Okay. Five SRM, 7% alcohol by volume, 25 IBUs, comes in a pint, which we love. Rolling into a hazy party like Citra on <laughs> Citra on Citra. This one is sure. just a little respect from the deck for our favorite player in the hop game. Nothing drips with sticky hop fruits quite like it. For Scoot, 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 we brought our favorite player to the party in all its best gear. Pellets, powder, and oil on pellets on pellets. Drink Jesus. Scoot, 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 and stack. <laughs> they need to relax. <laughs> Settle down. Yeah, I, uh, I, do, I wasn't a huge fan of that, but uh, whatever. I do own. love a, a, I love Carton, Cartons. I like their logo. The can art's decent. I like the consistency of their labeling. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm a fan of their beers. I feel certain I've had one or two of theirs. I can't recall them, though, off the top mm-hmm. of my head. I know I've seen similar labels. I, I know I've had them, but I just can't recall which. I do, I do like... Uh, grabbing their 077XX if I'm in a town that I haven't been in before because they do those collaborations within the area. Mm-hmm. So, like, they'll do their 077 series will be, like, paired with another brewery from the area that it's being distributed in. Okay. So those are pretty cool. Um, but I've I've had pretty good luck with them. Um, I feel like they're, they're a consistent thumb. Full thumb. Two thuckle. You know what I mean? They're a consistent thumb. Uh, <laughs> In the it before we taste this beer, I'm gonna just small caveat. When I asked you what beer we we're drinking today, you might as well have said the furthest back one in your refrigerator. Listen, this one I'm pretty know. sure is like a good two years old. <laughs> I can barely no, it's not that old, but we have had it for a while. Um, I can barely keep my fridge organized because people keep meddling with it. I certainly can't account for how your fridge is organized. Oh no! I mean, this is I, this is just more speaking to the age of it because I just put them in the front when they come up. But um, I will say I do love their barcode. You gotta rotate, man. You gotta rotate. <laughs> the, bar- <laughs> the barcode that is a carton is beautiful. Al, let's oh, get into this one, shall we? Cheers! Cheers! Thud! Oh, nice! Two things of glass. I like what you did there. <laughs> you know, like a clank. You know, like a crime. <laughs> uh, so you, you know, like a liar. 
<laughs> oh man, this is good. I uh, I'm going. It's 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 definitely got all that citrusness that I love. Very very solid. This doesn't taste two years old. It doesn't it actually taste like surprisingly fresh. Oh, like I, I just said, this, I, this was canned. Or no, maybe that's is that Best Buy. <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> There's a date that's of 2021. My point is, it's not two years old. <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it's close. It could be close. <laughs> no, it's all like it's like smushed against like the rim of the can, so I can't properly I, read it. I was gonna say I don't have any any indicator in mind. It was probably like four smacked together, and you have the can that has. The date printed on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think? What are you going thuckle wise on this? Side? Uh, very tasty. I, I would give this two thuckles for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a double thuckle. I, uh, I, I like it. I, you know, you know me. If it's got citra hops in it, there's a good chance you're getting at least two thuckles out of me. It's funny. It's very citrusy. Mm-hmm. The hop profile, obviously, because this is a New England style, is not going to give you a super floral one. But it feels like it's lacking in the floral to the extent that it almost doesn't taste like an IPA. It's maybe a bit too juicy, like in the sense of like mm. it doesn't feel like an IPA. It just feels like a some sort of juicy pale ale or whatever. I could see that. I could see that. It's definitely... Well, I, I, I expect that a New England IPA needs to have that backbone of bitterness and floralness to actually be a double IPA. Sure. I could see Yeah, it, it doesn't have the floral, but it's got like a... It does have like the like piffy bitterness of like a grapefruit rind. Yeah, but that's I associate that with the fruit aspect, not the hop yeah. aspect. Even though obviously it's the hop that's giving you the grapefruit, but mm-hmm. um, not it's giving the flavor more than the bitterness. Sure. Um, and I'm surprised that it's able to be classified as a double IPA with only 25 IBUs. I would have thought that number would have had to have been higher. I know it's some sort of indication of both alcohol content, which it has a seven percent, so that's right. But mm. I would have thought the IBUs would have had to have been at least forty or fifty. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's nice, tasty. I uh, would would drink again. Would oh, very drink? solid, uh, very, <laughs> very drinkable. You've had other cartons before, you said, right? No? Uh, yeah, I just don't recall which of them. Yeah, nice, pretty good, pretty yeah, good. Jersey little, staple, little, little chunky on the end. Yeah, don't uh, yeah, I I left a little in the can. Well, I couldn't get the whole pour into the glass on the first go. I mm. didn't have the proper glass and. Um, I had like enough left where it's like, okay, I need to pour some of this, but still expecting to not pour all of it. But because it had now resettled with the less fluid, <laughs> the solids started coming out earlier in the pour than I expected. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I've gotten into the habit now of like, I leave a good ounce at the bottom of the can. No, it's too easy. Because I just, I really cannot stand how it changes the beer when that, like if, if any of that gets dumped into it, it depends on the beer. It depends on what actually is settled at the bottom. Really? So what I'll do is I'll finish this. I will pour the rest of the can into the glass and see if it's worth drinking or not at the end, but I won't risk ruining the entire beer. Yeah. No, it anymore. didn't ruin it. It's more aesthetically unpleasing than anything. Yeah. 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 Little floaters in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Little chunky guys. I feel yeah. they make my throat scratchy. No, like these ones are too fine for that. Hmm. Yeah, mine definitely looks nicer than yours, but then again, the camera is also not transmitting in the best quality. So no. who can say? Who can say know, what you, the actual you, reason is? You actually look fine on this one. Um, I do feel like I'm talking to you 
in a Star War or something because of this super <laughs> narrow letterbox strip of uh, of Skype that sure. we're using this time around. It's 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 weird. I feel like I'm not talking to you via a video call. It feels like I'm watching a movie in which I'm talking to you in a video call where like those don't actually or at least like older ones like weren't actually reflective of it because they were like just like projecting an image onto the screen. You weren't yeah. actually doing the call in real time. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I just don't understand. Like, it Skype's been around for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to this version update, things were fine. <laughs> like, I've, it's really got to work well. I really liked the full screen you with the picture and picture me that yeah. when I jumped to the browser would pull the little picture and picture you with me. Mm-hmm. Now they've eschewed the picture and picture and have decided to put you in the ultra letterbox wide screen view with me picture in picture, but like floating over the screen for no good reason. Yeah. It's, I don't get it. I don't get it. I feel like the, I remember that, that joke. Uh, it was an older family guy, which they were watching Lawrence of Arabia <laughs> presented an extra wide letterbox, extra yeah, letterbox, extra wide screen. And they show it. And it's this super thin strip that you, it was just color. You couldn't see anything. <laughs> right. It's only about a millimeter thick. And uh, they're like, wow. And I do Stewie says that. something like, ooh, who's that uh, That beautiful lady? And Brian uh, <laughs> goes, Peter O'Toole. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I, it's so funny to think about like back in the day, like buying VHS tapes and going out of your way to get a f- full screen, to ensure that you were getting a full screen. Oh yeah, my life for like five years from like 1999 to 2003. Yeah, that's so funny. And then the the other part of it is the uh, that that one I don't know that that two month period where DVDs were double sided, where they had widescreen on one side and full screen on the other. <laughs> I've got a handful of those. Definitely have a Ace Ventura kicking around nice. in that mode. Uh, it's uh, it's really bizarre. Especially now it gets like it's so confusing to me to see <laughs> when a full screen video gets thrown up, <laughs> and the black bars on the side is so disorienting. <laughs> yeah, it makes it look like such trash. It's true. It's it's unfortunately very true. I just wish all of my screen all of the time could be a thing. I understand it can't. You would like your widescreen to be a full screen? Yeah. I yeah. Yeah, like when when you have the widescreen, but you're still getting the letterbox because the aspect ratio isn't quite there. It's like, well, come on now, <laughs> you can definitely you can definitely do better than what you're doing, <laughs> guys. This war was won 15 years ago. Yeah, come on. <laughs> just get to be bigger. <laughs> oh man, that's why I feel like I got to go eventually go the projector route and <laughs> to be able to knock out that area. Just just. Just the visual that I need <laughs> printed on there. <laughs> that would be perfect. We, we really need to update the basement projector and get a 4K one. Mm-hmm. It's still 1080p, so I really rarely use this now. I used to yeah. love it so much, but the TV in the family room is so much better. Yeah, that, like, it puts it to the shame. What's that? It puts it to shame. It does. Uh, yeah. To the point where, like, when I was younger, well, not when I was younger, that's not the right way to phrase this. Years ago, many um, moons. When, no, not that many moons is the point. People would talk about, oh, you <laughs> some know, moons. You can, you can see the pixels or whatever, and it's like, shut the fuck up. 
But mm-hmm. now that I've watched so much on 4K that when I use the projector, I'm like, oh my god, I can see the pixels. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's weird. We get accustomed to those those beautiful those beautiful screens. I, I've been I've been seeing some of the short throw projectors against one of those like fancy projector screens that help with the ambient light reflection, mm-hmm. and they look bonkers, like so it. good. Like can do the screen can do the screen size that you guys have down there, but from like a couple feet away from the wall. Okay. And it's like sits down instead of up, mm. which is pretty wild. Because then you could have like a legit like entertainment console with a thing sitting on top of it, and all of your stuff in that console with, it and okay. still have all of the benefits of the projector. I feel. It's, how does that work though? That would. I feel like that would only work with like a stadium seating type, like. Or no, no, it's like a crazy. It, like it literally, you put it down next to the wall, like a however many inches away from the wall is it could do like whatever the max is like say 120 uh, okay. inches or something like that and there's just like really efficient short throat like the way that the mirrors and the lasers are on it like it just is able to project it at that angle perfectly and in crystal clear quality <laughs> yeah uh, like, funny. like a few weeks ago my mom said something like you guys aren't watching football in the family room all all year on Sunday. I was like, yeah, no, we are. I'm sorry. I know that you don't love it. I know you'd like to banish us to the basement, but like, you don't have to like football, but I'm going to put it on in front of you here, watch it for five minutes, and then go watch it downstairs and tell me that you're going to force us to watch it down there because, no, we're not going down there. (laughs) Bring your TV. No, fuck that. It's so so obnoxious to get it on and off that mount. Yeah. I don't even know how... I'm kind of curious how expensive those projectors are. Short throw projector... 4K. I know that I'm pretty sure the screens, like, like the really good screens, are close in price to the projector itself. Oh, <laughs> the ones that do that, like, um, that like light diffusion. Oh, okay, like four thousand dollars, two to four thousand dollars. Jeez, that's a first of all, that's a wide range of outcomes. Yeah, I um, mean, I'm assuming the quality is going to go up significantly with every five hundred. Sure, would be um, my guess. I, historically, the projector was not great during the daytime for certain applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, like gaming was tough during the day. Watching anything sure. that happened in a dark room was tough during yep. the day. Um, we now have a much better like blinds over on like the the wall on the one side, where in the first half of the day, that's where the sun kind of sort of comes in anyway. And yeah. then just the ambient light from the window in the back, I actually just put a couple of pillows up in there and it sure it's like, like the side by side mirror uh, window, not the up and down window. There, yeah. yeah. Like the, the small one. <clears throat> and so now it's really fine. Um, you know, you have to shut the lights off though. Right. Like, Oh no. Yeah. I, I always yeah. would do okay. that regardless. Okay. Yeah. I've, I found, uh, when I, the, the OLED that I have down here in the family room, den, well, I, I don't basement? know what you call it. I really, basement, whatever the hell this room next to me is called. Um, it just feels weird because basements always seem like they're under underground, but I mean, it kind of makes sense that it's at the base, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, the, uh, the, it's a beautiful picture. Like the picture is insane. Uh, the brightness is amazing, but because the blacks are so, the, uh, which the room is absolutely too long. You definitely, I definitely need to be closer to it. It's, it's yes. wasted on the fact that that room is 
a thousand feet. <laughs> but the the problem is like it, it's it's so good. Like the blacks are so good that they reflect too much if any lights are on. <laughs> so it's like the opposite of being washed out. It's you just see the rest of the room <laughs> in the blacks of the picture. <laughs> Maybe that's kind of sort of what goes on with the the because there, there are certain th- certain things you watch. First of all, no matter how dark or light on a football game looks glorious on the TV yeah. that we have upstairs. But mm-hmm. when I watch. Like, for instance, I hate the lighting sometimes that they use in any of the Game of Thrones slash Hot D uh-huh. universe. Stop saying Hot D. I'm, I'm not on board with Hot D. Don't care. It's happening. <laughs> whether you like it to or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have to turn all the lights off to watch that show anytime they're indoors. Which, to be fair, the lighting wouldn't be good in that situation, right? Because they're using candles or torches or whatever. Right, like, so I get yeah, but I'm watching authentic. TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, they could light it in a way that doesn't feel unnatural. Like there is a way to do that, right? Yeah. Because it's not even like like I don't begrudge them when they're doing a scene where they're like walking through a dungeon and it's like by torchlight. It's like okay, fair enough. But when you're sitting in like say the small council room, yes, it doesn't have to be like you're on a sunny day. It could just yeah, be I'm, lit. I'm with you. Normally with like soft ambient light, right? Yeah. And like I have two really great TVs that have a really great picture contrast ratio brightness and they they don't know what to do with Game of Thrones and it's it is Game of Thrones it's not yes. everything it's Game of Thrones no I don't like after they after that episode the long night like they tried to tell yeah. us that we did it wrong mm-hmm. it's, no false absolutely not everything else looks fantastic your show is not there yes. <laughs> I don't understand so anyway, regardless, like that's a small struggle, but I still enjoy that TV. It's still a great TV. I still sure. enjoy watching so much stuff on it. But yeah, there's certain things where I'm like, okay, I have to watch this at night. I have to turn the lights off. Yeah, yeah. I it, especially games games for sure. I find that it's it's much nicer for me if the room is darker. But the other the, the weird thing is I don't like being in a dark room. So if it's a movie, I'm okay with it because I'm kind of getting cozy watching the movie. Enjoy that. But when I'm playing a game, I kind of like want to feel awake and not like chilled out like that. Well, that's and, why I can't I can't play video games on a couch. I have mm. to be well for a long time. Like you know when I first had like when I was in high school and I had like the Xbox 360, I had a mounted TV up in mm-hmm. the corner of the room, and I would actually stand up and play video games because mm. the angle felt so unnatural. Like. If I sat on my bed or on a chair, I was like right. up to play. But if I stood up, like, I wasn't like standing like directly in front of it, like six inches away. Like I was standing like eight feet away. But yeah. I would literally play standing up because the TV would then be right at eye level with me. Yeah, it was super awkward. I'm sure anyone who like just walked into that would be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" But like if you actually tried playing it, you'd be like, "Okay, this isn't really comfortable to play in the other way." Same thing when I played. When I have, you know, I have the Xbox One in the basement here with the projector, which before I had the 4K box with the 4K TV, mm-hmm. that, you know, you can't get better than having a 120-inch diagonal yeah. screen or whatever, right? Um, but sitting on the couch, I get too comfortable sitting mm. back. So yeah. I actually would grab a computer chair and put it, like, two feet in front of the couch. Mm. I'm still, like, 10-plus feet away from the screen. Sure. But... I would sit in the computer chair, which would have me with better posture. Yeah. And also absolutely. I could like, 
I can lean back on the thing or, you know, whatever, like swivel around. If, oh, this feels slightly off, I could move a couple inches left, right, forward, back, whatever I needed to do. Um, and now I play, even though I'm slightly catty-cornered towards my TV playing on my bed. Again, it's right at my eye level. I sit a few feet away on the bed. It's not great for my posture because I don't have a back sitting that way, but it's I, I don't feel comfortable playing laying down. Yeah, I, 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 my friend used to play laying down. I just I didn't understand how he did it. Like it, it would drive me crazy. I like I'm I'm with you. Like I actually sit I sit on the edge of the couch upright and I keep good posture while I'm playing just because I like I I feel like I need to be engaged to yes. play well and I also enjoy it more that way. If I lay back, I, I if I'm sitting back, I just want to watch a movie. Like I don't want to yeah. be doing something else. I just want to be <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I in my next home. I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna have like a, a nice movie viewing setup. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Well, your setup upstairs is nice. It's not great for the ambient lights because you have the bay window, and then you have yeah, like yeah. the big open space. So it's not great for audio. Um, and you also have to keep everything kind of low because when you're all gonna watch something, the baby's asleep. Yeah. Well, that's and, now, but I mean, even prior to Elio, like you know well, it, that. That and the I actually don't have a great sound setup in that room. I just I no. just have a sound bar in there, and it's it, it it has gotten significantly worse over time. Well, and also like a sound bar works for a small room, but because you have a raised ranch, it doesn't yeah. work with that huge cavernous opening behind. Yeah, yeah. The main <laughs> sitting area. Even I'm sure the sound bar would be fine in a different room. That that means like everything. Audio, visual, lighting, everything is better in the downstairs room, but it's too far away from the TV. In the, the upstairs sitting, room, everything else is better. terrible, but you're yes. sitting where you should be sitting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, I found man. that when, like, when we, we've we tried to play stuff like in your basement, like I literally grab a chair and sit five feet in front of the couch. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a mile behind you. Yeah. Uh, so for the time we played the weird. Order Up game, we, we both sat together up in front of the TV. What was that game called? Was that Order Up? Was that what it was called? Overcooked. Or Overcooked. Whatever. That game was fun. I like that. That's a that's a silly game. It was. It was fun. It was uh, definitely like it would be like a solid party game too. Yeah. Let's get into some uh, news and nuggets. Did you mark the beer? No, absolutely not. Um, I'm not <laughs> did, even. I did not, you mark the aimless rambling? That was a long ramble. We haven't. Done <laughs> I did mark the aimless rambling. No, I marked that we are starting news and nuggets, but I, I'm also pretty sure that I undershot it by a few seconds. So that'll be fun. Uh, Sir Big Spur. What does that mean? <laughs> Sometimes you just say words and I write them down. <laughs> yeah. No, this is gonna be a good one. Okay. So this story I actually have is several weeks old, so I may have to do some uh, freelancing to. Get a better update. <laughs> so this is courtesy of the state. Well, because we were we've had to wave off recording for the last several weeks. So um, mm-hmm. this is via the state. Oh god, an ad popped up. Uh, South Carolina's live rooster mascot is getting a new name. What should it be? Now, I don't know how much you know about college football. It's just that there's shenanigans. Oh, so many. Um, so anyway, the University of South Carolina, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of those colleges that not only has an actual mascot, you know, with like a person inside of a costume or whatever doing their thing, mm-hmm. but they also keep a live mascot. So you have probably the most fav- famous one is Ugga, the bulldog that they have at the University of Georgia. They're the bulldogs. They have a little 
a little bulldog that they keep on the sideline. You know, they do pep rally stuff with it, whatever. Who takes Fuck. care of the bulldog? Well, we're going to find out that general situation with these colleges <laughs> more in this story. Okay. But it's usually some family that went to school there, maybe doesn't actually work there, but is affiliated, you know, gets paid a stipend or whatever because they show up on game day with the dog and to other events, whatever. When that There's animal a- dies, do they need to go into witness protection? We're we're currently on like Uga twelve, so like you know it's uh, no I, I mean like realistically like how long does a bulldog live right Uga the fifteenth yeah no that, that's a real thing um, there's um, you know Texas or the Longhorns they have their huge Longhorn cow uh, bull I guess probably um, sure regardless um, you know and there's uh, pretty sure that Clemson or LSU or maybe both have a tiger occasionally. I don't think that's a permanent fixture. <laughs> On the field? <laughs> yeah, in a cage. Goodness or gracious. Whatever, but yeah. Um, and, and there are other ones. So South Carolina sports teams are the Gamecocks. Okay. And so, it, you know, their logo looks like a regal bird that's probably a male bird. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a cock, right? So they also they also have a live rooster that they bring on the field, and his name for quite some time has been Sir Big Spur. See now, this was a missed opportunity for Hot D. Hang on, <laughs> it's gonna get so much better. <laughs> South Carolina's live rooster mascot is about to debut a name change. A new alias for the mascot, formerly known as Sir Big Spur will be announced sometime between now and when the Gamecocks kick off the season September 3rd against Georgia State, the university confirmed to the state. Why a name change? It boils down to a disagreement between the Bird's original owners, Mary Snelling and Ron Albertoli, and the new owners, Beth and Van Clark, over whether or not the animal's comb on its head should be trimmed. According to a report (laughs) from the Charleston Post and Courier, the original owners trimmed the rooster's comb, the red fleshy area that's on top of its head, to make the bird look more like a fighting Gamecock, which is the logo, the mascot. That's the Clarks have opted to keep the comb intact, citing the health benefits to the bird. Um, this is a parenthetical. In learning about the story, I've I read into it apparently. That is also is used for like um, heat regulation. It's it's basically yeah. how they, they sweat. Which, in South Carolina, super fucking hot. Especially on right. the field, it gets baking hot on a football field during a summer day. So, they the new family wanted to keep that because they thought it was healthier for the bird. An agreement with the original owners allowing the use of the Sir Briggs Spur name has expired. University of South Carolina has got in the process to select a new name. The Clarks, for now, have changed the Twitter handle of the rooster simply to, quote, mascot, just generically. The new <laughs> name won't be Big Spur, which was the name used for USC's costume mascot in the pre-1980s and before the creation of Cocky, which is their <laughs> actual mascot. <laughs> the university's legal team advised against using an old name, Big Spur, which was suggested by many fans due to its close relationship to Sir Big Spur, which is not owned by the university. It's owned by that original family. Mm. So what should the new name for the live mascot be? You pick 10 names, vote below for your favorite. And so I'm going to read you the names I'm that they excited. put up on the poll. We have some very clever ones, some not so clever ones. I'm going to read them in no particular order, except for, well, you'll figure it out. So one of my personal favorites was Cluck Norris. Sure. 
Uh, I also very much enjoyed Marco Pollo. Hmm. Um, we also have Brewster, Captain Cluck, Kickin' Chicken, Mr. Chicken Scratch, Cockadoodle Dude, or <laughs> Coop. We also have the General. Hmm. And the one that won the poll in a landslide, Cock Commander. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes the long story is worth it. That was one of those times. <laughs> now, uh, we've already established that they are the Gamecocks, that their sure. mascot is named Cocky. Uh-huh. And one of the big chants that they do is Go Cox. Mm-hmm. But apparently Cock Commander was a bridge too far because after this poll went out and all of this debate had been flourishing, the school announced that the bird from now on will be known as the general, which is the boringest name. Sack up. (laughs) (laughs) And the internet, of course, did not take kindly to this. Sure. And mutinied and said, you can call whatever the fuck you want. We're calling a cock commander from now on. Yeah. So eventually, the school was able to broker a deal with the two families and get back the rights to the name Sir Big Spur. I'm sure because while the school decided we can't call the thing Cock Commander, the only thing that the fans will probably accept now in lieu of Cock Commander is the original name, which they had all enjoyed prior to then. Now, Cock Commander will live on forever. In- I was going to say, false. If that bird is Cock Commander. <laughs> oh, it's going to be known probably more or less forever as Cock Commander. That will dwindle some, but... For the next few years, it's going to be Cock Commander in general conversation. Oh, man. That's as good. As, that's a good one, right? Uh, that is one of my fantasy team's names, is the Cock Commanders. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and my, the team logo is, uh, you know, the actual Sir Big Spur himself. So, uh, yeah. I'm glad I could bring you some joy with that. Nice. Well done. Fantastic story. I, I felt like that one. That was good. That was good. All right. Now I'm excited for the rest. What is LS Dunes? Hmm. So this is kind of cool. Um, this also is from a few weeks ago. This is all from a few weeks ago. Uh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> new emo and punk supergroup LS Dunes drop explosive debut single. Featuring members of My Chemical Romance, Coheed and Cambria, Circa Survive, and more, listen to new supergroup LS Dunes' killer first single, Permanent Rebellion. Hmm. So, Frank Yero has been doing some teasing for a little while now, and finally his new band, LS Dunes, are here, and they unsurprisingly absolutely were. Completed by Coheed and Cambria's Travis Stever, who is their lead guitarist, Circus Survives' Anthony Green, Thursday's Tim Payne, and Thursday slash Yellow Card's Tucker Rule, the punk and emo supergroup have announced that their debut album, Past Lives, will arrive on November 11th via Fantasy Records. Before cool. that, though, they've got a killer lead single called Permanent Rebellion to enjoy which is out now with an accompanying video, says Frank of the track. We never knew if we could ever get to play these songs together. In fact, none of us lifelong musicians really knew if we'd ever be able to play music for a live audience ever again. Permanent Rebellion is about taking back what is rightfully yours. Cool. Where's this story from? Uh, this was on Kerrang. Oh, nice. I, uh, I, that, that's cool. I like when the stuff that I like comes back. I feel like that's what this will feel like. <laughs> yeah. So, so I did listen to the song a few weeks ago when this came out. 
Uh, I would say I think the sound is really cool. I didn't totally love the vocalization for that first song. Mm. Um, some of it was was cool, but some of it was a little too screamy for me. Uh, what does Ellis Dunes mean? I, I have no idea. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Ellis Dunes meaning. <laughs> I mean, I figured I'll, it was I'll check this of, out. I figured it was some sort of LSD play on words, but I'm not 100% sure. When you t- when you gave me just the random uh, tag for the opening of the show, I, I assumed this was like Dune related. <laughs> Not. Uh, I can understand why you. <laughs> oh man! Uh, speaking of which, I was in a Barnes and Noble the other day, and there was like anywhere from like four to ten Dune games, like tabletop games. Oh yeah, that seemed pretty involved and i thought one of these days you and i should get get our hands on one of these <laughs> that'd be kind of cool uh, i did see a few weeks ago that there's a dune t- uh mmo coming out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's a thing what's that one called the that that cinematic looked ridiculous yeah i saw that i i don't remember what it's called there's also that uh is it awakening yeah dune awakening there's also that dune spice wars game that is like a I think it's like an RTS type gem. Okay. Oh, this Dune Resurgence is pretty cool. Yes. Wow. Sweet. Uh, I lost all of my notes. There they are. Miguel Sipochnik, maybe, exits Hot D. Has the Dragon Shake Up, co showrunner Miguel Sipochnik, le- leaving Hit Series exclusive. This is on The Hollywood Reporter. This is from August 31st. Emmy-winning Game of Thrones veteran Alan Taylor will join the team for season two. There's been a big shakeup inside of House of the Dragon, the HBO fantasy drama's co-showrunner, and director Miguel Spachnik is stepping down from the freshly launched hit series. Sources say he's exiting the show after pouring an exhausting three years of effort into the Game of Thrones prequel. <laughs> Dragon co-creator Ryan Condal will now serve as the show's sole showrunner. <laughs> I sure hope that's what it says on his business card. <laughs> Dragon co-creator. <laughs> uh, we'll continue to work closely with co-creator George R. R. Martin. Spotschnik has also entered into a first look deal with HBO to develop new projects and will remain as an executive producer for the duration of this series. Interesting entire- to leave after all of that work going into the first season. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, I think hired as the steady hand of, you know, he directed some of the best episodes of game of Thrones. Mm. Uh, Condal obviously had wrote and directed a bunch of game of Thrones as well. He, it's funny. They, I viewed it as I thought the show was going to be run by the two of them. But if you look at the beginning of the episodes, it says like show like created by, Brian Condal and George R. R. Martin. Obviously, Spachnik directed a bunch of these episodes and mm. I'm sure had a heavy influence in the writing and production of it. But, I mean, he's staying on as an executive producer, whatever. I'm sure he'll be someone they bounce ideas off of and stuff like that. And I'm sure he'll step in and hang out and do some fun stuff once in a while. But it sounds like he's not going to be expected to be there for the day-to-day anymore. I think his job was to make sure they got off on the right foot, right? Gotcha. Yeah, well, that's, that seems fine. It almost seems like maybe he didn't really want to. Yeah, he has I, other passions, and like he's just good at it. So they tried to lock him in as long as they could. Well, I do wonder if this was just a if this was a planned exit. Like, hey, let's crush this first season, and, and then if you don't want to stick around, you know, feel free yeah. to leave. Yeah, 
Yeah, that could be. Okay, that's um, interesting. The production has hired another acclaimed Thrones director, Alan Taylor, to serve as an executive producer and to direct multiple episodes in season two. Quote, working within the Thrones universe for the past few years has been an honor and a privilege, especially spending the last two with the amazing cast and crew of House of the Dragons, Pochnik said in a statement. I am so proud of what we accomplished with season one and overjoyed by the enthusiastic reaction of our viewers. It's incredibly tough to decide to move on, but I know that it is the right choice for me personally and professionally. As I do so, though, I am deeply comforted to know that Alan will be joining the series. He's someone I've known and respected for a long time, and I believe this precious series could not be in safer hands. I'm so glad to remain a part of the HBO and House of the Dragon family, and of course I wish Ryan and his team success and all the best with season two and beyond. Said Taylor, it's a pleasure and honor to be back at HBO, immersing myself in the world of the Targaryens. I look forward to working closely with Ryan as House of the Dragon grows into its second season. Ryan, Miguel, and George have launched an extraordinary story in a rich and fascinating world. Returning to Westeros will be a huge undertaking, and I'm looking forward to the challenge. Hmm. Uh, more on... I don't want to jump the gun on House of the Dragon, so more on that in consumption. But I do want yeah. to pick, pick your brain a little bit about that show. Yeah, uh, so I have, some, I have some other notes here. The series premiere delivered 25 million viewers in its first week. And it scored a quick renewal for season two. Sunday, uh, at this time, the second episode made the rare move of gaining slightly more viewers instead of declining. Um, Sapochnik directed episode six and seven of this. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Hold on. Hold the phone. The view count is for the air date? No. So they announced, I want to say, was it 12 million? On the premiere night, they said in the first week it was 25 million. Okay. Between and air of the first episode prior to air of second episode. Okay. And then the second episode was more? Yes. Doesn't that imply, like, oh, I guess leading into. Sorry. I guess I that implies some people started after the second episode aired. Uh,. Okay, so let's... Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm hearing people he, people watch the second one without watching the first, but that's not what happened. They, based on when they tallied them, the second yeah. one was already out, and they started the series with two episodes to watch instead of one. So... Um, hang on a second. Go down a rabbit hole here. So the premiere... Uh, Drew, sorry. It was a hair under 10 million... Uh, on the night of the release uh, across all platforms. And then... Damn it. Um, Episode 2 had over over 10. Like 10 and a quarter million. Wow. Uh, It's a 2% increase from the premiere, which came in just under 10 million. Um, the show, the show had had over 25 million across all platforms in the weeks since it premiered, uh, over the length of their runs, the final season, final three seasons of Game of Thrones averaged 25.7 million, 32.8 million, 44.2 million per HBO. Damn. That's a lot of people. Yeah. That's so, insane. This is obviously dated a couple of weeks ago, but, um, you know, it's been a pretty smashing success so far. It's pretty incredible that the final three seasons were at that range, especially considering the number of people I know that were hate watching it. Well, but that was the point, though, is 
you know, it reached its absolute fever pitch in the, like by season four. And that momentum carried itself through season five and into season six. There wasn't yeah. really a ton of people complaining about seasons five or six in real time. It kind of became right. A thing. It was more of like yeah. as season seven and eight were coming on. Hey, this has been going downhill a bit, but it reached such a critical mass of other people who had just been joining the show at that point. And I sure those shows. I think like my, you, myself included. I think we started around four, maybe. Okay, um, I started. I watched the first season a month before the second season came out. And then I watched it concurrently from season two on. Um, But I do think all of these shows, like I binged my most notorious binge of a show was Dexter. I watched like seven and a half seasons in like a two week stretch. (laughs) And you still haven't finished it. Uh, The new blood. No. Um, but, but I watched mo- like half or almost half of season eight concurrently with its airing. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really have a lot of complaints about those later seasons until much later on when I revisited them. Mm. I think when you compress those, that, that volume of content, I don't know how much you, cause you're so in it and you've just enjoying so much. I think you look past it. Whereas when you watch a show, across the years concurrently live and you have time to chew and digest on it. I think mm-hmm. that's when you will realize the slip in quality more than someone who binges. It. Oh so yeah. People who picked up that's the fair. show late in its life leading into the last season or two, those people probably in real time weren't quite like how we were watching it because we were watching it live and having the joy of the earlier seasons firmly in our rearview mirror at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. TV is weird. Yeah. Really weird. Uh, my last little bit of notes here is on, on Alan Taylor, the guy who's replacing Sapochnik. He built his reputation for his work on HBO's The Sopranos, for which he won an Emmy, and Rome, oh. and AMC's Mad Men. On Thrones, he was instrumental in helping shape the show's directorial style, hel- helming the pivotal and stylish final two episodes of the show's debut season, which included sequences depicting the death of Ned Stark and the birth of Daenerys' dragons. Taylor eventually directed a total of seven Thrones episodes, including The North Remembers, The the Nightlands, and Beyond the Wall. Showrunners David Benioff and Dan Weiss once described his style as, quote, cinematic and precise. He also recently helmed the Sopranos prequel movie The Many Saints of Newark and the pilot for AMC's Interview with the Vampire series, which debuts October 2nd. Did you watch uh, The Many Saints of Newark? Yes. Any good? I don't remember if we talked about it. It was fine. We did. It was fine. I definitely liked some of it. It didn't quite live up to what I would have liked of it, but it was enjoyable. No. Interesting. I feel like in that case, I probably, I might not bother because I didn't care for, as you know, to care for the Sopranos. So like, I feel like I'm not really going to get much out of this. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it had some cool things that prequels can do. It answered some major questions and also, had some cool, um, I don't want to say fan service exactly, but some of like like Tony's friends in the show, you, you know, you kind of knew were, those guys were older than him in real life mm-hmm. and older than him in the show. And they kind of alluded to the fact that they were more his father's friends. And so he, got right. to he like inherited that. them. <laughs> yeah. And really more so than his father, it was his uncle's mm-hmm. 
friends or uncle, cousin, whatever it is. I always forget the exact details of whatever. But the point of like Michael Imperial characters, Chris, it's Chris's father's friend, yeah. basically. Yeah. And the guy who played, um, well, all of them were cast really well. But the guy who played Silvio, his impression of, um, what's his name, playing Silvio Dante, um. What the hell is his name from Bruce Springsteen? Um, little, his impression, little, little something. Steven. Well, Steven. Yes, that's it. <laughs> um, and I'm totally blanking on his last name. Um, but his impression of him playing that character is actually almost worth watching. On oh, that's kind of, that's that's kind of fun. I do yeah. I do appreciate that type of thing in a prequel. If somebody could really do a character justice, that's that's funny. Cool. Uh, D23 Expo happened. I was very disconnected from this, so I'm gonna I would rely heavily on you for any announcements. Well it's going on like Friday and Saturday, and I just flat out did not have the time to do it or mm. to engage with it in that time. So I read through a story on Vulture before we recorded, which just had like a very brief breakdown of all the things, including uh whatever trailers or teasers came out alongside of it. Um, so I'm just going to scroll through these things with the little blurbs that come along with it. Cause most of them are like a sentence or two long. Mm-hmm. We'll just go everything that was announced in D 23 expo. So from Walt Disney studios, we have Hocus Pocus two, which had another so trailer. excited, so excited. <laughs> we obviously talked about that a bunch. We've seen a trailer. I haven't seen any of the successive trailers, but still that was a thing. Uh, this is a trailer. I did see there's disenchanted. Did you ever see enchanted? I have not any okay. good. Um, it's fun. My mom and my sister really like it. So I saw this like when I was scrolling through Twitter when I woke up Saturday morning and I just sent, I watched the trailer said to my mom and my sister just to let them know that this was out. I didn't even realize D23 was going on at that point. I just mm. saw this trailer online. So uh, it's a sequel to that movie from 2007. Um, it looks like it's going to kind of flip the whole premise on its head. And already it was, the whole thing was like there was, um, was it Amy Adams, um, plays like a character who lives in literally a fairy tale world. Um, she comes through some sort of magic portal and lives in real life. And then other people that she knew from back then also started coming through the portal and start infecting the real world to whatever extent. Um, it's an interesting cast. It's, it's her, Patrick Dempsey, um, James Marsden, who's totally ridiculous in this. He plays like a over-exaggerated version of one of those fairy tale knights. Sure. Um, a whole slew of other people you would recognize. I don't remember. It's been over a decade since I've seen that movie, but um, yeah, they're doing a sequel to that, which I could not possibly fathom, but good for them. I hope people enjoy it. Um, we have Peter and Wendy. Uh, I guess this is some sort of prequel to Peter Pan. That's weird. <clears throat> no trailer or official release date over here, but the studio did announce some more info about the upcoming Peter and Wendy film, another live action adaptation of a Disney classic. We already knew some casting notably Yara Shahidi as Tinkerbell and Jude Law as Captain Hook. But this panel did give some good info about the upcoming D23. I'm sorry, 2023 release. We worked really hard on the hook. There were many different versions of the hook until the Ironmonger got it just right, said Law. Haunted Mansion, Mm -hmm. because apparently they're doing another Haunted Mansion thing. Again, huh? Yeah. uh, Director Justin Simeon, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is Madame Leota. I never really got the deal with her. <gasps> Are you following Sorry. the storyline? 
I can't. I have. I don't have the specific thing that you're on. So I'm scrolling through d23.com and I, I saw a national treasure thing. Oh, okay. So hang on one second. I'll hold. Because I'm gonna send you the link so that you can follow along with me. Oh, right? perfect. That would be good. Vulture. There I should have thought to do that. This is what's up. Move the only awesome. great is if the link opened when you clicked it. But alas, <laughs> Skype is shit. <laughs> well, I usually don't bother because whenever I try and open it, it opens it in Microsoft Edge and fuck that. So I usually Oh my god, it is that ugh, you send me just, and drop it into terrible. Chrome. So um, Yeah, that's got it. Mufasa, I got it. the Lion King, twenty twenty. Listen, I just wanna I wanna point something out. Hang on. Techno- technology ran for a second. I clicked the link that popped up on the screen when you sent it in Skype, and nothing happened, right? Then I opened the chat, and I clicked the link, and it opened in my default browser, which makes sense, because I have something else set for Zencaster because it works better. I had to do those two steps. Wasn't happy with either result. I copied the link. I dragged my mouse from my Mac to my iPad, pasted in the browser of my iPad, which is a completely different device, and it worked flawlessly <laughs> come on skype <laughs> let me click the link <laughs> go on get ready to head back to pride rock moonlight's barry jenkins is directing a lion king prequel that won't come out until 2024 that's that's okay we don't know much but we do know it will tell the story of simba's father mufasa with seth rogan and billy Eichner returning as pumba and timon no well, that's a win <laughs> snow white Starring Rachel Ziegler and Gal Gadot, releasing 2024. I did not know this was a thing. Neither did I. Another tease for a movie that won't be released until 2024. D23 apparently shows an exclusive preview of the film to attendees, which is not online in any legal capacity. While some fans got angry that Snow White... (laughs) I love that phrasing. Oh, okay, so I can get it, is what you're saying. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I don't have to say that because Disney is litigious. Um, Sure. While some fans in quotations, got angry that Snow White, played by West Side Story's Rachel Ziegler, is Latina. That appears to be by design. They're such an emphasis on what is meant to be the fairest of them all. Ziegler noted. The Little Mermaid. Sure. On the topic of racist people. Closer in the live-action Disney princess pipeline is the trailer <laughs> for... The, the topic of <laughs> Closer in the live-action Disney Princess Pipeline is the trailer for The Little Mermaid, starring Halle Bailey, which will never not be confusing to me. No. Because I, yeah. my brain wants to say... I, I definitely just went, wait, what did you say? That's not who I saw playing the character, I, and then I was like, oh, that's a different name entirely. <laughs> every single time I see it, I'm like, it's not Halle Berry, it's not Halle Berry, it's not Halle Berry, and my brain still wants me to... Do Doing your... Son? <laughs> <laughs> Halle Bailey is the titular Ariel. The trailer features just a sample of Bailey singing, so enough to make us want a lot more before it swims to theaters May 26th. Of course, this one, since it was first announced and since she was first cast, has been noteworthy for the just hellacious amount of vitriol about casting a black actress to play a half-woman, half-fish, which apparently is much more realistic than having a black person as you. Well, everybody knows that half-woman, half-fish are white, Hal. Of course. God. Uh, I, you know what? Credit to the <laughs> ultra bought in people to that whole phenomenon. I saw a reference the other day, which like truly fascinating to me, the commitment to the bit. Um, apparently some people have tried to argue that, well, she lives under the sea. 
she can't have pigmentation in her skin because she doesn't get any sun. You know what they could have done? Top Fantastic half fish. For the bit. What's that? They should have just done top half fish. <laughs> that was definitely a, that was definitely a Family Guy joke. Where <laughs> there's a garbage. running there's a running episode and how many mother? I think it extends a little bit beyond of uh, whether whether you would rather be with a mermaid who's top half fish or bottom half fish. Yeah, they did uh, one where it was like a guy with like you could see like his legs, he's like, like strong legs or whatever, and then he gets out and he's like just a fish up front, like up top, but like anthropomorphic and like can talk. It's like, what? What's the matter? Like, uh... <laughs> you know what? I want to backtrack for a second to Snow White. Um, just, just don't do Snow White because it's not good. They keep doing it over and over again, and it's it's a pretty. Problematic. Just let it die. Like it's. Let's move on. Yeah, there's a lot. Let the past die and kill it if you have to. That's right. But Uh, don't. But don't come back with a sequel that undoes it. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, I appreciated Nick Frost playing a dwarf in that Snow White with Chris Hemsworth and. Did I see that Twilight? The Huntsman. Something about a Huntsman. Snow White I think I might have seen that. that. My sister watched it because she was of that age at that time, and I definitely caught parts of it. I was like, hey, look, that's Nick Frost. That's cool. Mm. Also Bob Hoskins, I want to say. Huh. It was one of Bob Hoskins' last roles. Mm. Uh, moving, moving on. Pixar. We have Elemental, which is... Pixar may not have released any trailers at this year's D23, but that doesn't mean the studio was slacking. First up is Elemental, a film about residents of different elements who come together, which premiere in theaters June 16th. It's just be like under this, it's just be instead of saying like Pixar being the, the, the capturing title of what the next few announcements are going to be, it should just be movies that are probably going to make you cry. <laughs> uh, we have Win or Lose, which is which stars Will Forte as a coach. This will be Pixar's first TV series. Oh, wow. On Disney Plus in 2023. Up next, we have Elio. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> my son had this name before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Pixar will never beat the Call Me By Your Name allegations. Following its Italian film, Luca, is the upcoming space adventure flick, Elio, which will <laughs> premiere in spring of 2024. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, a boy finds himself transported across the galaxy and mistaken for the intergalactic ambassador of our planet Earth. Cool. <gasps> Inside Out 2. Yeah. That's so exciting. Cry? Yeah. Inside Out was amazing. Um, Amy Poehler is back to star in Inside Out 2, directed by Kelsey Mann, produced by Mark Nielsen, and written by Meg Lefbouf. Inside Out 2 releases summer 2024. What was that elephant's name? I saw part of this movie once. Oh, man. Um, Amy Poehler will be returning as Joy. Mindy Kaling and Bill Hader will reportedly not be returning in their roles as Disgust and Fear. The upcoming film will return in... will come out in summer of 2024. Walt Disney's animation. Oh, I don't like anything about what they're saying in this tweet. I'm okay with how it's taking place. I'm just livid with the term midquill. Oof. <laughs> Zootopia Plus. The show is not a sequel series; it's actually a midquel series. It's a now, show on different characters during the timeline of the film. 
No. Again, okay with okay with the movie or the show existing. Just don't say midquill. The series will be made up of yeah, <clears throat> I think that I think the term interstitial would probably be correct. That'd be fun. The series will be made up of six episodes with six independent stories, including one titled The Real Rodents of Rodentia. I just I just think it's funny that they had to explain that it takes place during like just leave the midquill part out. Because you're gonna say anyway that it takes place during the time frame of the first movie. <laughs> Anyway. Iwaju, journey into a futuristic version of Lagos, Nigeria, with its first look of Disney Animation and Kugali's Iwaju. It's a series soon to come to your Disney Plus account. An Afro-futurist-inspired animated series set in Lagos, Nigeria, will be made in collaboration with the African entertainment company Kugali, marking it as Disney's first collaboration with an independent studio in 100 years. Strange World. Uh, Jake, Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal stars the upcoming Pixar film coming to theaters close to Thanksgiving on November 23rd. Weirdly phrased. Although we don't have any new trailer open to the public, a teaser trailer was released earlier this year. If you can't wait to take a look. That's really soon for something I've never heard of. Yeah, right? Wish! Starring Ariana DeBose as Asha, directed by Chris Buck and Fawn Vera Sunthorn. Produced by sure. Peter Del Vecco and Juan Pablo Reyes and featuring all new songs by Julia Michaels. Uh, it premieres in November 2023. Um, I love a good Disney musical. It tells the story of the star from the Disney logo. What? When That's cool. I dig that. It will feature songs written by Julia Michaels, who has written for artists such as Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber. We're on to the Lucasfilm portion. We have Andor, (laughs) which will be coming out uh, next week, September 21st. damn, that's so soon. The final trailer was released. I have not seen it yet, although I think I saw a snippet of it on TV the other day. It's good. Okay. It's good. I mean, I'm looking forward to the show, so. Mm -hmm. We have Willow. It's one of the ones where after the first trailer, I was like, I don't need anything else. Let me know when the date arrives. Well, that's kind of how I felt, too. Yeah. We have Willow, because no good IP goes unrevived in the world of Disney. (laughs) Lucasfilm is making a sequel series to the George Lucas-produced 1988 high-fantasy film Willow. We'll begin streaming on Disney Plus on November 30th. I feel like I've definitely seen Willow. I didn't. I just don't remember at all what it's about. Warwick Davis is coming back to play the title role, so that's cool. He was super young when that first... I was going to say, in my mind, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> but... I think he was like 16 or something like that when the first Probably. It's just that I have. I feel like I've seen him a lot recently, like as in cameos of things or like popping up on interviews and stuff, so I'm just remembering that. Yeah. Um, the Bad Batch, season two. Uh, they reveal the series will be returning with a 16-episode season on January 4th. I forget, where did you land on that one? Was that a worthwhile endeavor? I liked what I saw, but I think I only made it through about halfway through the first season. That's one mm. I gotta finish up eventually. Um, this next one looks pretty cool. Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, I agree. It will include six standalone parable episodes following Ahsoka and Count Dooku in equal measure and will debut on October 26th. I did not see the trailer. I did see some of the stills from it. I know that Mace Windu and Yoda will also feature pretty heavily in it. 
Mm-hmm. I think Qui-Gon as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I think this is during the time which Qui-Gon was apprenticed to Count Dooku. That's right. That's At least that's the part of the trailer that I vaguely remember. Yeah. We have Ahsoka. Woohoo! Independently from Tales of the Jedi, Ahsoka will be receiving her own standalone live-action series starring Rosario Dawson, fittingly titled Ahsoka. The series has no official release date, but will premiere on Disney Plus sometime in 2023. Now, question. Is it going to be Ahsoka, or is it going to be like Mandalorian Season 4? I would not rule out the Mandalorian in some way, shape, or form impacting that, or maybe some of the other shows impacting it, but that will be one of the first shows to really push the Jedi storyline in a different Mm -hmm. direction in that time period between episodes six and seven, because obviously we know Ahsoka will be hunting to try to find Grand Admiral Thrawn and Ezra Bridger. And Ezra Bridger had been cast. I forget who it was, but we talked about that a couple weeks ago, I feel like. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. Yes. So am I. Oh, man. Um, Now it's like... I. It took me well, so you, long you to get through finished. it, but Rebels was so good. So you finally finished Rebels, so you can finally appreciate now oh. the impact of talking about, well, what happened at the end of that, and why are we looking for Ezra, right? Like, that was yeah. quite an affecting series finale. Yeah, that was awesome. Star Wars Skeleton Crew, which I know we talked about at Star Wars Day when they... Or not Star Wars Day, the... What's the other one that they do? Uh, that they did in May? Star Wars uh, Celebration? Star Wars Celebration, that's the one. Uh, I was confused with those two things because they're within a couple of weeks of each other. Yeah. Um, so Jude just Law... Just tighten is, that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they don't just do it that weekend. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No. But whatever. It's each their own. Um, Jude Law obviously leads in that. It's him um, taking in a bunch of rogue kids and going across the galaxy doing stuff, so why not? <laughs> sure. The main event... To this section, Mandalorian season three, which released a oh, fucking trailer. That trailer was so good. I I, I, I was just like, I'm so like every. I feel like every like two seconds of the trailer, I'm so hyped. <laughs> I know what your favorite part was. It was seeing old man grief Karga. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> Mando. <laughs> oh man, that was. I'm. I'm here for it. I love the Mandalorian. We saw so many Mandalorians slash Death Watch. Um, excited to see how that whole thing goes out. We're already setting the table for the fact that Bo-Katan and um, I totally just drew a blank on what Mando's name is. Din Djarin. Din Djarin. The two of them are clearly going to come to odds. We've already set the table for that in this trailer along with so much more. So um, that's pretty cool too. Yeah, that was great. The, the, the inner cuts with like Bobby the Frick. story so far, well, Papa Frick, of course. <laughs> the droid is ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm man, Papa Frick. <laughs> I'm Papa Frick. Um, I love it. love it. Honestly, wouldn't I? Wouldn't change episode nine because that runs the risk of potentially not having that character, and it was <laughs> uh, it was so good. I. I'm pretty sure I spit some of my drink out the first time <laughs> that that character was on the screen. You were very taken with Bobo Frick, and I we love, all love Bobo Frick, it. but uh, I was surprised by how I could I could do a Bobo Frick tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little Bobo Frick on my calf. <laughs> okay, I, I mean, I'm not gonna stop you. As long 
the only way you can do it is if you actually get it with a text bubble that says I am Babu for I am yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. <laughs> oh man it's almost like Pokemon where they say their own name yes <laughs> yes <laughs> oh man what a character Indiana Jones 5 cool teaser I didn't see was there a new teaser I don't think it's new I think it's the existing teaser well, it seemed like that's still of him walking across the rope bridge. Oh no, it's like a he's done this, he's done that. Actually, they they were like, <laughs> the first one was like about the ark. The second one was about the cradle of civilization. The third one was about defeating evil with the Nazis. Did, no mention of the fourth movie, <laughs> and it's like, and now, and like he's like, I'm pretty sure he gets like punched in the face or whatever. He's not on screen. Like, it's, like, the way the camera is, it's, like, below, like, by his ankles, and he picks up his hat, and his silhouette puts the hat on, and that's, that's it. And it's a pretty cool um, tease for it. Okay. That's cool. I can dig it. Um, Yeah, I mean, my final resounding thoughts, I actually watched the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull recently-ish, a couple months ago. I need to watch that. I think I caught like 75% of it. Um, I don't know. It's not like it's a terrible movie. It just kind of misses the mark. Sure. And I appreciate that they took a swing and tried to do something sort of entirely different, but within like the keeping of it. It was just a bridge too far. I think they needed to be more grounded in obviously not realism, but in history, like the historical fantasy stuff. Yeah. Obviously, like they tried to do something different by going to South America instead of like the Middle East or India or the Middle East. Um, but <laughs> that's fine. But the whole interdimensional being, being the alien thing, it just became a bit too far. The other stuff yeah. was grounded in enough like history that like even the most average knower of history could get on board with those storylines well yeah because you know what it is i think the like especially when you consider like the I, I feel like the last crusade is the one that pushes it a little bit further out where it's like okay we are we are taking on some of the i mean i guess the first one too the the, the arc but like the these things can they coexist in the same universe and having the alien aspect breaks that for sure and the reason being, like, if you think about, like, Marvel, for example, like, they managed to pull it off with their explanations of realms and things like that. And, like, that all helps and works together to make all of these different things able to come together. But they should have they should have stuck with that specific lane, I think. Yeah. In, well, in I, th- I think series. There, there was clearly a disconnect in delivering... Obviously, this sort of movie is always going to be somewhat exposition heavy, and it's how you deploy it and when. Um, but I feel super comfortable with the stories of the first three, including I know very little of Indian history or religion, and yet I still feel very comfortable and grounded in what that movie is about. And mm-hmm. I know just as little about all of the like pre-colonial history of South America, I have no idea what that movie is about, honestly. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a bunch of times across the 15 years since it came out or whatever, and I'm still... The middle of that movie is just mush to me. 
<laughs> like they go to South America and they look for the big like crop circle-y things and then they're yeah. just they're looking for Akator and there's a, a head of an alien. I, I Yeah. I the the whole middle act of the movie is just mashed potatoes. Yeah. I get you. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it since it released, so I would have to rewatch it. But okay. I vaguely I do remember I remember enjoying it just fine. Didn't think it was didn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie though. Yeah. Um thematically. I mean they they nailed some of the other pieces of it, but I'll I'll rewatch it. I've been meaning to rewatch it because I've I've kind of been I know that it's like this this spot of like this is just this blind spot because I haven't seen it in so so long, and I've seen the other ones like many times since. Yeah. So it's I just never got back to that. It's funny growing up, I loved Temple of Doom for some reason, mm-hmm. and like growing up and like getting older, like it's now probably pretty firmly in third place for me. I love the Last Crusade. Oh, so it much. is the best. Yeah, I I'm absolutely with you. I was. I was a Temple of Doom fan for the longest time. And then, I don't know. Honestly, it was probably because of Short Round. I think I had a connection because, like, I was a, like, six-year-old kid watching a movie that heavily featured, like, a nine-year-old kid or whatever. Sure. So, like, I felt like I, that's probably what it was. I felt like a connection point of, like, like me and Short Round could be buddies going with Indiana Jones yeah. on an adventure. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Dude, when you sent me that No Time for Love, Dr. Jones image the other day i lost it that was so good oh fantastic so i guess that means he's coming back for the. i hope so i sure hope so underneath here and i'm totally i'm just giving everyone pre-knowledge i'm gonna totally butcher i have no idea how to pronounce that actor's name um there's no telling who looked happier me watching indiana jones 5 co-stars harrison ford and phoebe waller bridge together on stage or past indiana jones and the temple of doom co-stars harrison ford and kehu kwan Smiling wide while reuniting after 38 years. <laughs> Indiana Jones 5 will open in theaters June 30th. That picture was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go look it's it up. It's so good. Sure if if you just want to feel better today, that <laughs> just look up that image. <laughs> they both look so happy. And when you consider how often Harrison Ford looks cranky, which is 98% of the time that he's ever right, not ten, on screen. Like... Yeah, anytime he's not been acting, if you look at see any picture of him in real life, he always looks like super cranky or sounds super cranky or is super cranky. He looked genuinely happy in this picture, and I know he's an actor and he's a fantastic actor. And like, there's been times where he seems to have joy on screen in movies and shows or whatever, which obviously aren't real because in real life he's a miserable person. It seems (laughs) he looked genuinely happy in that picture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're on to Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We saw that trailer already. That trailer was heavy, man. It was. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about what this movie is actually about. Uh, I'm sure we'll get another trailer at some point. Um, But this film will be coming out on November 11th. Damn, that's so close, too. Yeah. But at least we've got an actual trailer for that. Yeah. Ironheart. Ryan Coogler and Anthony Ramos joined Kevin Feige on stage to give fans at D23 Expo an early look at Marvel Studios' Ironheart. So Coogler is involved with this project as well. Riri Williams, the star of the series, will be introduced in Wakanda Forever, and Anthony Ramos will play the Hood alongside Drag Race's Shea Collet in an unspecified role. 
Ant-Man and the Wasp. What is the hood? I, I don't know. It looks like it's character. The hood. Go on. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, it hasn't been made public yet. Attendees got a chance to see an exclusive look at the movie. Quantumania will notably introduce, or I guess probably more appropriately reintroduce, Jonathan Majors as the villain Kang, who will feature prominently in the next stage of the MCU, culminating in Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. Dawn. Slated for February 17th. We have Were- I like Werewolf. the Ant-Man movies. They're fun. Yeah. I was actually watching the beginning of the first Ant-Man the other day. Just having to come on after something I was watching, and I watched it for like 20 minutes. Nice. Uh, one trailer that has been made public is the trailer for Werewolf by Night, which I did not see. Uh, one of the more unique items on this list, a hyper-stylized Halloween special starring Gael Garcia Bernal. The special will debut on Disney Plus on October 7th. This is a Marvel thing? Yes. Oh. All right. Secret Invasion. Another trailer I didn't see. I, had, I appreciate that every time you read it, you read it with the exclamation at the end. <laughs> you gotta give it its proper gravitas. With yeah. What may be the highest prestige cast ever for an MCU product, Secret Invasion dropped a trailer as part of D23. Starring Samuel L. Jackson, who is backed sorry, is back as Nick Fury for the first time since 2019's Spider-Man Far From Home. Olivia Coleman, Don Cheadle, Martin Freeman, Kingsley Benadir, Amelia Clark, and Kobe Smulders, the series will premiere in early 2023. I love Martin Freeman. He's fantastic. As do I. I was watching The World's End uh, a week or two ago. Nice. Um, and my mom was like, who is that? I was like, Ugh. do the thing. We're going to figure out what she's actually known for. I was like, yeah. I know you have no regard for anything Lord of the Rings. I said, but he played the young Bilbo in the Hobbit movies. She goes, that seems familiar. And I pulled up a picture of him and she goes, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so, that's uh, Amelia Clark was in Eternals, right? No. 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 Was she? It wasn't she in something already. Ken Harrington was in Eternals. Is that what I'm thinking of? <laughs> so was um, what's his name? The other one, his his half brother, no cousin, I guess technically. Oh right. Totally drawing blank on his name in real life. The guy who played uh, Rob Stark. Yeah. Whose name is totally escaping me at the moment. Man, is she? I didn't have my energy drink before we started recording. Okay, bear with me. I just, I, why do I feel like she was already in the MCU? No, she was cast quite some time ago. And it, oh. came like, it was like a huge deal that she was cast. Um, Richard Madden was his name. Ah. Right. Anyway. This is this will be the thing that Amelia Clark's in. Got um, it. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone. I don't care <laughs> if she was in something else. <laughs> Armor Wars. Don Cheadle will return in Marvel Studios. Armor Wars coming to Disney Plus. If Secret Invasion doesn't have enough Don Cheadle as James Rhodes for your nerves, maybe turn to Armor Wars. It hasn't begun filming yet, but it's expected to begin in 2023. Cool. Loki season two. Woo. Over in maybe incest town, Loki is looking forward to a season two and will feature a new cast member in Kehu Kwan, fresh off that glorious Harrison Ford pick. Wow. 
That's funny. Fantastic Four. Now, Check. what is he gonna? Is uh, is John Krasinski gonna play Reed Richards? No news on that so far. Matt Shackman to direct Marvel Studios Fantastic Four in theaters November eighth, twenty twenty four. Um. Apparently, he is of WandaVision fame. That name doesn't sound familiar to me, so obviously he was involved with that show. I don't recall how. Sure. I expect that John Krasinski will probably in it. I don't think that they would have cast him for that role if he Right, like just for the tease. Yeah. Echo. Echo. Echo Echo. the dolphin? Echo. Um, One Disney Plus series that has gotten... People excited is the upcoming Echo, which will follow Maya Lopez returning as Echo after Hawkeye. Why has this gotten people excited? I think we need to all be on board that Hawkeye was not good. I still haven't seen it yet, so. The series does not have a premiere date yet, but will likely appear mid-2023, according to Variety. still need to discuss the Hawkeye twist whenever you see it. I'm getting to it. Daredevil. May not be a twist. (laughs) (laughs) daredevil born again production doesn't kick off until next year for marvel studios daredevil born again but d23 expo got to hear from the stars themselves welcome back to hell's kitchen there's pictures of kevin feige and charlie cox and vincent d'onofrio daredevil coming back too in daredevil born again not much to report here as the series has not begun filming but we do know the character will be featured in an upcoming episode of she hulk which i have still not started watching Oh, cool. Captain America New World Order. The first film featuring Anthony Mackie as Captain America sometime in 2020. Oh, this is a movie? Yep. Huh. Thunderbolts, which I saw a cool picture of the other day, and I don't recall everyone who was in it. Let's see if I can find it. But bringing action, sorry, bringing sitcom acting to the MCU will be Julie Louis Dreyfus, who is. Turning to play Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine in the upcoming film. That's just absurd. The film will premiere in theaters July 26, 2024. Now, let me see if I can find a picture. There was a picture that came out this weekend um, with all of the actors slash actresses. Okay, so we have a picture here of the lineup, and it looks like Julia Louis-Dreyfus in the aforementioned Count, Countess, Contessa, whatever the fuck her, her name was. We have Ghost from Ant-Man 2, the uh, mm-hmm. girl who kept disappearing, reappearing. Yep. We have, um, I'm going to call him Captain Russia because I don't remember his name from uh, Black Widow. Yep. As well as Florence Pugh also from that movie. And Is this just like Marvel's Suicide Squad? It's like, what's going on here? Kind of, sort of. We also have the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And we have was it U.S. Agent the uh, yeah yeah Captain America knockoff and then we have the uh, was it Crossbones is that no not Crossbones who the fuck was uh, the the one the other one from Black Widow the one the the girl Taskmaster who... yes Taskmaster that's it mm. that's the lineup on this cast photo that okay uh, so it is Suicide Squad yes oh here you go there's a parenthetical in the second graph. Yes, it's essentially Marvel's answers to Suicide Squad. Ask an answer. Yeah, sorry. Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by Julia Dreyfus. Ghost, played by Hannah John Kamen. Red Guardian, played by David Harbour. There it Lova, is. Lova, played by Florence Pugh. I like Captain Russia better. 
Um, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Winter, Winter Soldier, played by Sebastian Stan. U.S. Asian, played by Wyatt Russell. And Taskmaster, played by Olga Karolenko. I don't really care about that one. I kind of like the cast, but as far as the movie yeah. or itself or whatever. I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to see it, obviously. I'm going to see all of this. The Marvels. Point. I'm very far behind, though. I have to finish. I still have to finish Moon Knight. I've got to watch Miss Marvel. I've got to She-Hulk. Oh, I haven't seen any of Miss Marvel yet either. Yeah. The Marvels. Rounding out the Marvel presentation is The Marvels, an upcoming film directed by Candyman's Nia DaCosta and featuring Miss Marvel herself. Cool. The film will premiere July 28th. 20th Century Studios. Avatar Man, the Water. Disney is a monopoly. <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water made waves today. Director James Cameron, producer John Landau, Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang, Jamie Flatters, Bailey Bass, Jack Champion, and the and Trinity Bliss gave fans a special look at the upcoming film. It's still slated to premiere December 16th and is already guaranteed to be one of the most discussed movies of the year. I'm... I'm excited. I'll, I'm happy to watch it. I actually really, I've been itching to watch Avatar for years and I just haven't sat down to do it. Well, have you seen they're doing a theatrical re-release? I did. Like, it was just kind of cool. I'm, one, I'm sure they're pissed that they lost out on the box office and they're probably trying to steal that back too. Uh, I'm sure it's just to get people to remember that that's a thing that's coming out later this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been so many years to release a yeah, sequel that they like have to. Right. Yeah. Disney Plus has The Muppets Mayhem. <laughs> uh, we'll f- follow the Electric Mayhem band as they record their first album. High School Musical colon the musical colon the series. I'm all for the title of this. <laughs> Season 4 follows the main characters as they find out the cast of the original High School Musical films are filming High School Musical 4 at their school. And they get to be extras. Awesome. So I guess the original cast is coming back. That's kind of cool. Um, American-born Chinese. If you've been missing the Everything Everywhere All at Once cast, then the upcoming American-born Chinese series is for you. It will feature Everything Everywhere All at Once cast members, including Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Su, and Keo Kwong. He's having a moment. Yes. And uh, will debut on the streaming service in 2023. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, because they're still doing that stuff. Uh, calling hmm. all Greek mythology nerds, the upcoming TV series Percy Jackson and the Olympians released a teaser featuring a much I've, younger cast of the original film. <laughs> I feel like we could breeze through the rest of this. The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. The Growing, Growing Up, Assorted Christmas, Christmas Specials. <laughs> it's just called Assorted Christmas. <laughs> the Santa Claus. Wait, what? The Santa Claus is. Oh, the Santa Claus is. Oh, that's cool. It's actually it is an actual sequel. That's... Here you go. This is what you want. Here we go. National Treasure Edge of for. History. Get after it. Uh, uh, looks like it's a television show, and there's no Nicolas Cage. Interesting. I'm, I'm not entirely sure I'll be watching it now. Yeah, I mean, I probably will just because I love that type of puzzle stuff that they do in there. But let's see. We have Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. We have Choir. We have Madu. We have Big Shot, starring John Samos for whatever reason. Doogie Kamea Aloha, MD. Uh, 
apparently it's a second season. I have no idea what that is. Hmm. Prom Pact. Disney Junior stuff, including Jedi Adventures, Young Jedi Adventures, which I already think I told you you should watch with uh, yep. Elia. Under Wraps 2. Didn't we talk about Under Wraps not that long? Oh my god, Under Wraps. Get down. Um, and we did talk about Under Wraps not that long ago. <laughs> and then we got Raven's Home and Descendants 4, which largely means nothing to me. Cool. That's a lot of stuff. Jesus. It was a lot of stuff. I, it was longer of an... I thought I read the whole article and I still missed several things at the bottom. I had no idea. Yeah. Wild. That's cool, though. I love a... Oh, I like a nice D23 Expo. It's always fun. The only other thing on our uh, rundown for this week is the Emmys. Um, uh, of I mean, like, nothing overly surprising from it. I will say the best part of the Emmys was... Well, it's twofold. One was Keenan hosting them because he is just fantastic. and I love him so much. And two, Kel showed up. Oh, really? Yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> it was it was a very fun, uh, just very short little bit that they did together. And it was perfect. Well, that's good. But uh, just a couple of quick things here for Outstanding Drama Series. No surprise succession. Um, I feel like it's kind of been the favorite for a while now outstanding comedy series was ted lasso which i mean sure perfect yeah i'm all for it uh i will say i will say uh rhea seahorn did not get her emmy at least she was nominated yeah but feel like she should have been nominated before and gotten one by now well we talked about that for the last several years her and bob were finally both uh, nominated, neither of them won. Technically, yeah. these are for the episodes in the first half of the final season. They will be up for nomination again next year for the. Back oh, season. interesting. Yeah, I so didn't realize that there wasn't. If if you hadn't noticed there if, that there wasn't as much hand wringing about that as you might have thought, it's because they get another shot at it next year. Okay, in that case, I'm actually kind of cool with how it went down for uh, supporting actress because Ozark is over. Yes, and. Uh, Julia Garner kind of has, I mean, how how many seasons of that show? I feel like she was like really young when the show started, no? She wasn't that young because she was in the, her first major-ish role that I'm aware of was she was in The Americans. She was no, in, Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else entirely. She was a small, but uh, I think I'm thinking of the right person, I hope. Um, she was a small but recurring role in that show, and she was pretty good oh. in that. But she was quite young in that, like, which is say like probably 16 or something like that. Gotcha. Oh, that's um, cool then. But I, I do I do like if a show's going out and the performance was outstanding and they haven't gotten an award yet, I do appreciate them getting an award at that moment. Yeah. So like maybe maybe Rhea Seahorn will have her moment. Uh, it sucks that we're gonna be robbed of the immediacy of that being right after the show ended. It'll be the yeah. momentum will be gone, but hopefully people will remember how great they were. Yeah. But Succession is I, I loved Better Call Saul. We both loved it. Mm-hmm. You haven't watched Succession? No. I love, love, love Succession. It is a worthy winner anytime it's nominated for anything. It's okay. such a fantastic show. The cast That's what is I hear. so fantastic. So even if ultimately Bob and Ray were both um, shut out by Succession, they lost to a worthy adversary. Sure. Uh, Jason Sudeikis took lead actor in the comedy. Outstanding uh, lead actress in the comedy went to Gene Smart for Hacks, which I'm not, I don't even know what that show is. It's a comedy on HBO. It's about 
an aging comedian. Um, mm. From what I understand, um, that title is hers to hold as long as that show continues, which gotcha. it's up for debate whether that will continue to a third season. Gotcha. Uh, outstanding supporting actor in a comedy series went to Brett Goldstein, which was really fun. He had a cool speech where he was like, I got cut off last time because I cursed. I didn't get to thank my parents and my family because they won't air it in the UK when that happens. And so I just want to say, and then he cursed again. <laughs> and it was just, and you know, to to tremendous effect for everybody listening. <laughs> He's having quite a moment himself. More yep. on that later. Yep. Um, also, he might be the second best British actor at cursing behind Matt Berry. Because mm. <laughs> him cursing in Ted Lasso is not, it can't quite measure up to Laszlo in what we do in the shadows, but no. he's pretty fantastic in it as well. I agree. I agree. Uh, supporting actress in a comedy went to Cheryl Lee Ralph, uh, Abbott Elementary. Uh, lead, limit, I, I, I skip over limited series. Um, I also, you know what? I take that back. Limited series, fine. Reality? Competition stuff? No. Nope. <laughs> no Emmys. Please. Please. It diminishes the value of the other ones. <laughs> yeah. It's bullshit. <laughs> um, that's right. That's all we're going to go through for that. But it was it was actually a decent it was a decent award show and, they, and they, I feel like there hasn't been a decent one in a while and I do think a lot of it had to do with one, well, they had a host for the Oscars but the Oscars was weird because it was like kind of half the amount of people as usual. It felt like it was very small because it was still kind of like getting back into the groove of people being in the same place at the same time. This felt very much like the old Emmys and it was okay. fun. Like I, I enjoy the award shows. I enjoy the host being there. I enjoy the host, like making jokes and taking cracks at people and doing it over and over again. And uh, Keaton was great. <laughs> yeah. I saw a couple of his jokes filtered out. Um, I did chuckle watching a couple of the clips from it. I, I there was one in particular that I got a good laugh out of. And I don't remember what it was now. Cause it was a few days ago, but, hmm. um, yeah, it seems like from what very little I saw, he did a decent job. So he also like he he's doing like reoccurring, really cheesy stabs at Netflix for losing money, and it was just it was just really it was just great. I just really enjoyed it. I had fun with that. Um, granted, it felt like it was four hours long because every two seconds there's a commercial break, and it's horrible. Oof. But uh, I mean, we recorded it and fast forwarded that shit because I don't watch commercials. Um. And I'm not sorry. Uh, that's it for news and nuggets. I think we should do a little consumption before getting yes. into our... Uh... Try to be brief because we went very long on that. Yeah. All right. So what do you got for consumption? Um, so football's back. Mm, is that it? Been watching. <laughs> been uh, been uh, drowning myself in it. It's so good to be back. Um in addition to the watching of the football, college, and pro, in particular, I'm talking about pros back this week. There's some fantastic, fantastic games this week. Um, I also got to go to a college football game on Saturday. I went to the Army game on Saturday. Cool. So that was fun. Um, we had pretty great seats. We were at like the 10-yard line, like six rows up. So Nice. Ended up being a really good game. If anyone knows anything, anyone who doesn't know anything about Army football, and for those of you who do, uh, typically, they throw the ball about three times a game. Uh, they threw it at least six or seven times, um, including like a 60-yard passing touchdown, which was flabbergasted by. So on the mm. second drive of the game, I said, what army is this? I don't know this army. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that being said, I enjoyed it. Uh, also, um, you know, it was like September 10th, and the 
forecast was for like 80 degrees and slightly sunny and it was like 90 degrees and fully sunny uh i got a little sunburn in september because i did not wear Jeez. sunblock because Bonkers. i to see not the slightest bit of shade that day sure also west point is like 20 minutes from where i live so i went with my dad one of his friends and his son uh he had one free ticket so the four of us went um they were panicked because it does take a very long time to get on base, especially for stuff like that. So we're like, oh, we're going to leave super early. It's a 12 o'clock kickoff. Let's leave by 9 o'clock. We left the house at like 9.02. Perfect timing. Uh, we were parked by 9.30 flat. And um, we were left up to our own designs for two hours, which means we crushed so many beers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> walked up the hill to the uh, the stadium, <laughs> watched the game. It was a good time. It was a good day. Thanks. Why don't you, let's go through all of your consumption. We'll pair up on the ones that are also mine, and then we'll do my set. Okay, did you watch any Rings of Power yet? I finally watched one episode. Okay, so that's good, because I also have only seen the first episode, even though at this moment there are three episodes out. I haven't had yeah. the time to watch the other two yet. Same. I Well, the problem was I had started, I, I wanted to see, uh, I was talking with Kim, seeing if she was interested. She said she would give it a try. We sat down to watch it. She wasn't getting into it. It was like, totally fine. But I'm not going to watch the rest of it now. Then um, I'd much rather watch it like down here with the sick TV and everything. Yeah. So eventually made the time. Did it? I actually think it was like last night or the night before I watched it, uh, the first episode, and I loved it. Yeah, it's good. I it's ate fun. it up. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Just like I was so captivated, like the way they did the prologue to get you into it, and then like now we're going to start the story. Like given all of this, like we have a lot of exposition to get through. Let's do this up front and let's throw you into the story. And I was just like, I am here for this. <laughs> Which is great because it does mirror what was done at the start of the original movie. Um, and they obviously did a variation of that early on in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite the exact same way, but um, it's a cool way to have both a nod to that. And also it's a useful device for, we have a ton of backstory because for anyone who doesn't know, I actually wasn't 100% sure about this until around the time the show was coming out. So apparently Amazon purchased the rights to license stuff from the The books. Like The Hobbit and the trilogy and the appendices. Mm -hmm. But they do not own the rights to Cimmerillion. Okay. Which largely covers... The first age and technically the time before time right. before the first age. This show firmly takes place in the second age. So it's pretty much exclusively synthesized from the appendices right. which at the end of the third book, as well as any harkening back in legends that took place during the course of those books, um, as well as taking forward the fact that things existed from the Cimmerillion. They can't cover it, but they can reference that it happened mm-hmm. which is what largely happened during that prologue which enjoyed the pro- prologue thought it was very well executed it was a cool way to do that but i thought considering we watched that a week or two after the first episode of hot d that it was like okay they're gonna just do this and then maybe they'll do their title sequence for the second episode because that's how house of the dragon did it they did their first episode with their little prologue Jumped right into the episode. Second episode, they did their full-blown title sequence. Nope, it's 17 minutes into the first episode of Rings of Power. We get a title card and, and, and title sequence. 
17 minutes has got to be the longest cold open in the history of cold opening. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. But it's I, just I, a complaint. Just no, it was good, though. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that they did it, though, because it, it, it set the stage. I know um, I definitely had to, like, it wasn't clear. to Kim, Kim got through most of that. We got up to the title card, and then I just, then I stopped it. Um, okay. And she wasn't super into it, but I had to, like, explain the time passage and stuff like that, because like it said, it was kind of said pretty quickly. And I, I understand how elves work. Like I, like I just knew what was going on. And like, I think for her, it was a little bit like, what, wait, what, <laughs> why, how is this? What is it going to mean? Centuries. <laughs> so they live for yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that was a, uh, but yeah, that I, that's fun. I, uh, I'm happy to watch that one and soak it in. I was, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. It looks fantastic. It looks so good. The quality that of sequence, it is unreal. That sequence at the end of the first episode when they're on the boat and like, yeah, like the curtains to like Valinor opening with the music mm-hmm. and soaring. Like that was the music in the show was already fantastic. fantastic. When, if you if you were wondering, is HDR worth it? <laughs> I encourage you to watch that scene. <laughs> But, so man. I'm definitely I'm definitely excited to continue watching the show. I just considering it came out two Fridays ago. I watched the first episode. Didn't have time that weekend for the second episode. I was like, surely I'll have time now with the start of football with, with a couple of fantasy drafts. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Football starting Thursday night. Friday. What was it? There was something going on Friday night. Saturday, went to a college football game. Hosted people. Sunday, wall-to-wall football. Monday f- night football. I just haven't had... And then we were watching... I was watching this movie. Sure. A bit of it Monday. Because I got home from work actually slightly early for me on Monday. I watched like half an hour on Monday night. Watched the rest of it Tuesday night. I just haven't had time. And I'm quickly falling behind. I still haven't watched the most recent episode of House of the Dragon same. either. Um, can, I'm, Maybe I'm, for I'm, different I'm reasons, but same. I haven't watched, I've watched like the first three or four episodes, however many's out. Yeah, you know, I just didn't see the most recent one. Yeah. So very much enjoying both of those shows if you'd like to transition to House of the Dragon. Yeah. I I am also watching that. I I haven't seen the latest episode. I'm not I'm not bought in yet. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm not I'm not really feeling it. I don't think I'm I'm just I find it a little blah. I I like it. Um I thought the first episode was really, really good. We talked about that one in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the episodes since then, I think, have largely been pretty damn good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is settling a bit into a different flow. Like, they were really trying to grab you with that first episode, and I think they succeeded. Mm-hmm. The rest of it has been a lot of table setting in a way that can kill momentum a little bit. Um, that yeah. I guess the problem though is I actually usually enjoy that stuff a lot and I'm just not, I'm just not super compelled by the story. Okay. I thought that that whole sequence that was set up, I guess that wasn't the last episode, right? I think it was the one before it. It's all starting to blur in my head now. Hmm. Um, the sequence that kicked off with Rhaegar and not Rhaegar, Jesus Christ. Um, Was it Damon? Yeah, Damon. Mm-hmm. Da- Damon and um, Corlys Valerian and his son and brother and all of them taking out the crab feeder. 
Yeah, I keep calling him Crawdaddy. <laughs> <laughs> that whole sequence, um, Viserys going back and forth, will he, won't he help them? Mm-hmm. Which one is better or worse? Which one makes me look stronger or weaker? I thought all of that was pretty compelling, that back and forth. Yeah. Him finally making the decision, and then Damon trying to throw it back in his face by saying, fuck you, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. That whole sequence with his charge, I thought that was... That sequence cool. was cool. I mean, I, I do, like, uh, like execution-wise, I thought that was, like, the choreography was pretty strong. Um, I just don't... I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's every time drums. an episode... It's the drums. What? It's no, the drums. I don't even mind that stuff that much. Every time an episode ends, I'm just like, is this good? And, like, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. Okay, I, uh, but well, I, I'm going to keep watching it. I'm, I'm absolutely going to watch this season and most likely the run of the show. I'm yeah. um, just hoping that it gets to a point where I'm really like, where like, oh, it's Sunday, awesome. Versus, I'll I'll watch it when I watch it, which is where I'm at. It's right definitely now. it's definitely not bad. I mm. think it's good. I do think I could understand how. It's hard with with the level of investment in the original show when this feels similar but not the same, it could probably be hard to invest in some of these characters as of yet because they feel similar but they're not the same and we still haven't got enough to invest in them themselves. And that's mm-hmm. gonna jar itself in its own way at some sure. point this season, and it may be the very end of the season, we're gonna get a big time jump that is gonna have some of those characters recast. Namely, yeah. Allison and Rhaenyra are going to be recast with different actresses later. Yeah. In season. That'll be interesting. But well, we'll see. Like I said, I'll keep watching it, but I'm not I'm not currently sold. Okay, that's fair. Um, uh, what else you got? What are you watching? Um, beer. What did you say? Beer. Beer. Yeah. You're watching beer? No, consuming, consuming it. it. A lot of it will be, will be Saturday, Hudson Valley Craft Beer Festival. Oh, fun! At the Beacon Waterfront, it's one of my favorite events. I've gone most of the last several years, with, with the exception of twenty twenty when it didn't exist. Um, went last year. Went the year before that. Went twenty nineteen. I think I missed twenty eighteen. Went like two or three years in a row before that. Nice. Such a great event. Looking forward to it. Nice day out, uh, right on the riverfront. It's no Tons whiskey beers, live. Good food, but that What's sounds that? cool. It sounds cool. It's no whiskey live, but it sounds cool. It's safer. I've never gotten blackout drunk. I'm in. sure it's safer. Yeah, the whiskey live drunk, is a dangerous situation to be in. I've gotten drunk enough that I will not drive home from yeah. craft beer festival, but did not blackout in any of them. Borderline of blackout when we went to. Dude, I mean, we live. easily drank. Like, I feel like we each had to have had a bottle of whiskey that night. We we tallied it up. We tr- we tried roughly thirty whiskeys. <sighs> Yikes! Which was like I think we were basically getting served half shots, so we did like fifteen yeah. shots of whiskey. Yeah, it was. It, there wasn't enough pie to soak that up. Yeah, we probably should have taken advantage of the free food a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, to it, say the food the that food we paid for good. in the ticket, but yeah, um, yeah. But. Yeah, the food was fine. Is uh, there we, food we at this get, at this beer thing that you go to? Yeah, there's a bunch of different food trucks around. That's cool. So, uh, yeah. Who's going? Time. 
what what uh, what what uh what former members of the show are going? <laughs> former members of the show. <laughs> um, well, so Peanut Gallery will be there, sure, uh, as well as Mrs. Peanut Gallery. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ms. Peanut Gallery. Uh, we haven't we haven't named Dominic's girlfriend on the show, so we won't sure. get to this point. Um, uh, one of his. <laughs> One of his friends slash his boss in the military. <laughs> cool. Uh, they the cock commander. <laughs> <laughs> they they walk the line of um, I don't know hundred percent know what the fraternization rules are outside of work hours mm-hmm. in the military. Um, now it is a NCO to NCO relationship. It's not an officer NCO relationship, but still. Um, they get along well. They respect each other at work, so it's all good. Cool. Um, possibly one or two other people. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be a good little nice. Trip. Have a good time. There's usually like seventy or hundred beers or something there, and it's a lot know, of beer. From, like a whole mess of breweries, and it's a good time. Really cool. Good time. Right on. Right on. I um. Well, since you're talking about things that you actually consumed, I had what I have dubbed Italian chili. <laughs> Bolognese? Uh, kind of. Uh, I've been doing on Sunday nights for the past like three or four weeks. I have made a massive meal that could then be merged into one pot so that could be served over the course of the week so I don't have to cook dinner every night. Okay. And uh, this week. Look I at made, you getting old. But <laughs> this, this week I made Italian chili. And it was. Basically bolognese. I, I, I didn't do the veal. I did pork and, and, and beef um, chopped meat. Uh, you know, little carrots, celery, and onions. Sauteed those up. Bunch of garlic, because obviously. Then uh, the meats and got those going. Um, I had a gigantic tin of tomatoes left over from pizzas that I had made this weekend. So I used that as the base for the sauce. And I blanched a lot of broccoli rub. Blanched and then I raw. yeah and then I let that stew in the sauce for a couple of hours. What is the the blanching of the broccoli? Before blanching tomatoes, it removes a bunch of the bitterness. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it makes it much more palatable. Um, but and I then it re- like the re- re- like keeps is... all the flavor behind. So like you still get like that mustardy flavor, um, which I is feel nice. like the, I feel like the bitterness is one of the selling points of the broccoli rub. It it's too bitter. I think. Is it more or less bitter than Swiss chard? It's more bitter than Swiss chard. Swiss chard is super earthy. Mm. And if you blanch the Swiss chard, it'll also remove some of that. Whenever I think of Swiss chard, I think of the market after dark. The farmer's market after dark from Parks and Rec. Absolutely. Get a chard on. Get a chard on. <laughs> and they're oh doing God. the shots of Swiss chard and the girl's like, Mmm, so bitter. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I did. I did all of that, and then I did uh, uh, brown rice cooked in like chicken broth and uh, some saffron and oregano. Ooh, and then you I broke mi- out the saffron for brown rice. I did, and it Seems came out indulgent. Wonderful, and I mixed all of it together in a giant ass bowl. Okay. And now I just scoop it out, and that's Italian chili, and it's so goddamn good. <laughs> Also, Elio loses his mind over it. <laughs> cannot, cannot get enough on the spoon. 
fast enough for him. <laughs> it's fantastic. We had um, Bolognese the other day. We had uh, Bolognese on over, Cal- over Cavatelli. Nice. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, man. Uh, back to shows, though. I've binged three shows over the course of the last two or three weeks. So I don't know if any of these got made it in, in the previous episode, but um, they may have. Did we already talk about Never Have I Ever? Um, that sounds familiar. But okay. I'm we'll see. Trouble placing it. Burned through season three of that in two nights with Kim. We love okay, that yeah, show. That, that does sound familiar. So good. Uh, trying on Apple TV Plus. Burned through the third season of that. Again, really fast. I think it was two nights, maybe three at the most, probably two. And then just this past weekend, Friday night, we sat down for dinner. We're like, we want to watch something. Ah, what should we put on? I don't know. We do that whole thing. We should watch a movie. We should watch a TV show. Is there something we should start that we haven't watched yet? Uh, let's do the thing and start scrolling. We open up Netflix. It's like season five of Cobra Kai. Is, it's just dropped. And we're like, perfect. <laughs> so two days. Done. Okay. And it was a treat. I love Cobra Kai. It is it is such a tremendous soap opera. It's so good. It's just, it's just, it's just so silly and outlandish and fun to watch. I don't know, like, and I don't even have like the the huge draw for the original Karate Kid movies. Like, I've seen the first one. I don't even know if I've seen the second or third. Um, definitely haven't seen the fourth. I've seen like the past half hour of the second one. I don't think I've ever seen the third one at all. The show does a pretty good job of referencing the movies, playing clips from it, and tying it all in, even if you haven't seen it, which is pretty cool. But it makes me want to go back and watch it. Anyway, it was it was a wild ride, a lot of fun. It not as fun as the previous seasons because it focused a little bit too much on the adults versus the kids, who are the more compelling story in the in it. But it was still it was still a treat. I love love me some Cobra Kai, lots of fun. Uh, final note. On consumption. I haven't consumed it yet. I will be consuming it tomorrow, but I'm very excited. Clerks 3. Is that out? out? Yeah, so it's a Fathom event tomorrow wow. at the movie theater over here. Um, so there's a chance that uh, some folks will be there from the oh, movie. Oh, cool. Which will be cool. Well, you live in the right area, I yeah. guess, right? Yeah. I mean, he used to go to the theater, so. Yeah. yeah that's cool. But I am so excited. I love, I, you know, I love Clerks. I'm super excited for this movie. I feel like I should definitely... I caught a bit of Clerks 2 several months ago. Ah, I love Clerks 2. I saw the first one once, and I probably not under ideal conditions. I think I was a little tired, because I didn't mm-hmm. really retain much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they were playing hockey on the roof? Yep. yep. I mean, I remember other things, too, but like... I don't I just feel like I feel like I just remember impressions more than specific. Sure. Yeah, you should you should I think you would very much like the first one, especially I really like the second one, so I doubt I would dislike the first one. And I've liked like I said, I basically liked all of them with the exception of Chasing Amy, so mm. I love Chasing uh, Amy. I know you do, and I love I don't like it, so <laughs> nah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean my favorite my favorite one I think is Mall Rats. Mall Rats sure. I really love. I, yeah, I do. I do love Mole Rats. Uh, I'm torn between like Mole Rats and Clerks or Clerks. Two. I, I'm also, I'm always torn between Clerks and Clerks too because they're both very different and very yeah. funny in their own right. I love Mole Rats because it, I think it is just it's just so hilarious. Um, but the Clerks ones, 
appeal to a certain time in my life of working at the pizzeria. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's that aspect of it, uh, which makes, but it's just, I just, I love them all so much. So, so, so I, I, I definitely would like to see Clerks 3. I think I would like to try and rewatch those two. I don't know how and when I'll get around to that, but I would like to see those two before sure. seeing it. Um, yeah. But that's exciting. That's it for my consumption. Do you have anything else? I, I have one final one. I have mm. kicked off very slowly. I've only had a little bit of time with the uh, ramp up of football season. The ramp up of the podcasts that I listen to has coincided. And so I have kicked, we have decided to kick off the foundation series of books by Isaac. Oh, Adolf. cool. Okay. I know you started watching. Did you watch the I whole did. season? I didn't. I didn't. I, for, I just kind of trailed off. Not for any particular reason, um, but I was really enjoying the show. Yeah, I didn't actually get to watch any of it, but um, so we decided the way that they were written is not 100% chronological versus the release date of them. So we decided to start with the chronologically first book, which was not mm. the first book that was written. It was Prelude to Foundation. Interesting. Um, I've always wanted to read some Asimov, never have. Um, now, technically, his three major series, and I think he wrote other stuff too, but his three major series for the Empire series, the Robot series, and the Foundation series. Chronologically, I believe it's Robots, Empire, Foundation. Um, iRobot is like the first of the Robot series. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Um, from what I understand, overall, that series of books is considered the weakest of the three series. It's supposedly you know, good and people enjoy it all. Um, Empire is supposed to be pretty good. The Foundation series is supposed to be the best. Mm. Um, and the kickoff of Prelude to Foundation exists with a fully formed galactic empire, which obviously was formed in the course of the running of Empire. I think originally, I don't know if... Oh, so they all coincide they, too? They all exist oh, within I the same... I didn't realize that. ...chronology, yes. Oh, that's cool. So iRobot, if you remember the, the movie, took place in the near-ish future like i don't know if it's like 100 years from now or something like uh -huh. that but the point is it's it's a conceivable timeline ahead of time and the empire is supposed to be some way down the line and then foundation is supposed to be so far down the line and akin to the way that dune is where it's referencing obviously the same earth but actually is is led on fairly early on in the series they don't really have good records of earth uh -huh. uh, in fact some people don't even believe it existed um and so it's cool. So the, the principle behind Foundation is this Dr. Harry Seldon who is a mathematician who develops a hypothetical equation called that he dubs psychohistory, which he thinks that if you could find the proper variables of things that have already happened, you could reasonably predict the future. Right. And obviously the powers that be within the galaxy want to get their hands on harnessing that power if it's something that he could make a feasible equation. <clears throat> and so I don't actually know how Foundation starts. I just decided, you know what? If they exist chronologically and it's finite and consistent and the series is done, why not just start at the beginning chronologically and just go through it? So I am like a third or so through Prelude to Foundation. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm enjoying yeah, that's, it so That's far. pretty cool. That's interesting. Cool. I feel like the way that the show is focused, the... Re the it's more not so much wanting to get their hand like well the way that it's been framed from what I've seen so far is like not so much want people wanting to get their hands on it but more that it's threatening the existence of like the I guess 
for lack of a better term, like the monarchy of the universe. <laughs> so like, they're like kind of pissed about it. Um, but I have to go back to it because I was really enjoying it. It's a very, very cool aesthetic. Okay. I like, I, I really like the way that it was shot. Um, then it's just, I don't know. It was very compelling. So I'd like to get back to it. It definitely like first, like, three or four episodes i feel like we're like very establishing of like what's going on and like which was great i like i said earlier like i eat that stuff up i like that like world building like that history like what are we doing here like what's the what's what's the story and then it just like went bonkers in like the next episode and i was like maybe that i think that might have been when i accidentally trailed off where i was like if i go back into it it's probably going to be like uh jumping right back into the middle of a war but it's uh, (laughs) it's it's pretty cool so. Yeah, I don't know if the show picks up directly with Foundation or if it's meant to. I know the show itself is supposed to span a substantial amount of time. The book series spans a very substantial period of time. There seems to be some very obvious analogs between Dune and um, Foundation. Um, they obviously mm. tackle some very different... Uh, or they, they deliver it in some very different ways, but the, the I think they're tackling some similar subject matter. Mm. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've purposely, at this point, purposely stayed away from the show. I think it's sure. something I don't get to down the line because I very much would like to see it. I like a bunch of the actors in it. So Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that makes sense to wait if you're starting to read it. Um, cool. Right on. I'm excited to hear more about that. Uh, I've got nothing else for the consumption. Are you good on that? No, that's all my major stuff. Well, with that, let us get into our flick of the week. Thor Love and Thunder, released in 2022, rated PG-13 with a one hour and 58 minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie, Korg, and her ex-girlfriend, Jane Foster, to fight Gore, the God Butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good... I like that synopsis. It's cuts to the chase. This is like the main storyline, but like all of the heart is excluded from it, which is... (laughs) I think in which is a good way to do a synopsis. Like this is these are the main driving points of the plot. Everything else is the movie. So I, a, I appreciate it's like a, that. It's like a very clinical definition that doesn't get to the specific details, but gets yeah. the overarching like facts right. Yeah, for sure. I uh I very much enjoyed this one. Uh, why don't you kick us off with your IMDb synopsis? While it may lack the alchemical brilliance of its predecessor, it certainly shares DNA with it. Thor Love and Thunder is quite a ride, both darker and dorkier than Ragnarok, and features the best Marvel villain since Thanos, even if Gore doesn't get enough screen time. 7 out of 10. (laughs) Okay, that was... That's weird. (laughs) Ours start off very similar. (laughs) And we don't share these beforehand. (laughs) Intentionally so. While it lacks the cohesion of Ragnarok, Love and Thunder remains a worthy successor. <laughs> uh, seven, seven, again, seven out of ten, which is wow. also weird. <laughs> but I we haven't we literally like even like most of the time we try not to talk too much. If we really love or really hate a movie, mm-hmm. we'll usually start talking very obliquely about this stuff on text ahead of time. Especially if we watch it several days ahead of time. Right. I didn't finish it until last night. I didn't know when. It, well, you ended up getting to see it in theater, or not? I did, but a while, like a, long, a while ago. Well, you. The, so that was. I couldn't remember if you were trying to see Thor and ended up seeing Maverick, or if you were trying to see Maverick and you Try, that trying to see Maverick right? ended up seeing Thor. I thought so, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Um, 
But uh, yeah, we really haven't talked about this at all. Other no. than like very, very briefly when you saw it. Um, yeah. But it was, that's it was, it was just great because it was we love we love us some Taika Waititi. Yes. And this house. Um, so it's been, it, it's, it is kind of funny that we haven't gone too into it, but that's good for this episode. I, like I said, like similar to what you're saying, like there is something about it. It doesn't quite, it's not quite the level that Ragnarok is. Ragnarok is fantastic. Like the yeah. Ragnarok is great. One of the best MCU movies. Absolutely. Uh, and this is, it's, it's, it does a lot of things. It, it definitely like has a lot of that DNA. Right, the mm-hmm. a lot of the structure of it, a lot of the the jokes, the 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 relationships, all the stuff that was really really worked well there is here, except for maybe the overarching story. And I feel like the story itself is not; it's a little bit bumpy in spots, and delivery wise and mechanics are not tremendous. Um, I I, mean, I don't know what it is. It's, this pacing's a little bit off, or like. So I actually didn't object too badly to the pacing with one exception. Hmm. And part of this may be user error because I put this on Monday night. I got home from work. Usually on Monday, the earliest I get home is like 530. I got home at like 445. So it's like, okay, I have a little bit of time in my schedule. I don't anticipate. And I'm going to watch the football game tonight. I put it on, see as much as I can watch before I gotta jump in the shower and have dinner and all that stuff. I got about a half hour-ish in. I chose a very specific spot to turn it off. It's right after the when when Thor finally returns to Earth and Gore's attacked New Asgard. Mm-hmm. They have the big fight and he first meets up with Jane and, and figures out this whole thing with her becoming the mighty a Thor. Thor. Yeah. And the fight's over. Gore kidnaps the children and they're just about to start the after action report. I was like, okay, this is a good time for a clean break. Yep. Come back to it whenever I can come back to it. And I turn it back on from there and, you know, they do that whole conversation. They start to figure out some stuff. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then right after that, when they first come up with a plan, screeching halt. Mm. The momentum of the movie is just uh, comes to a screeching halt for like. Yeah. 15 minutes and it's like we were pretty propulsive up until this point we got some backstory we got some exposition we got some jokes we got a couple of different storylines we're following there's a lot going on yeah. it's all moving you know sometimes yeah, what, fast sometimes what slow, happens in that just... in that pocket i don't even remember i do i know what you're talking about because it was i i remember i was feeling the same way that after the i didn't i thought maybe the attack on new asgard dragged slightly but it was also had a bit of comedy and uh and again, like they were like unveiling some character relationships and whatnot in there. So that was fine. And then, but like you said, like there's, there's something around that pocket of time that made me go, something's amiss. And I don't even remember what happens next. So yeah, they got, they had that fight. They figure out the kids are gone. Yep. They meet in like the town hall. They're trying yep. to sort out the crisis. The- oh my God. When the guy with the blades is, is taking the minutes. Oh, me? <laughs> Can you stop that infernal sound? <laughs> so all of that was like, first it's really like heartbreaking, and then it becomes like slapstick during that whole sequence, right? Mm-hmm. And he, I'm gonna, we're gonna go find this, and he uses the rainbow bridge and lands like a hundred yards away. Yeah, 
<laughs> the defective Bifrost. Yeah. Um, so that was all good up until that point. And then from that moment on, because then he like, they all disperse and he sneaks back in. And him and Korg and Val and Jane come up with a plan. Uh, they do the thing where he talks to Heimdall's son. Uh, oh, yeah. Astrid slash Axel. Yeah. And um, really cool, by the way. That was a really cool new thing where he says, hey, like Heimdall taught me this. And he, he starts to show. He starts to take himself seriously in his whole role again, which I think that we can talk about a little bit later. That's I think that's one of the problems with this movie. But um, that was, I thought, really cool where he was able to like look through his eyes and, and communicate with them and all that. Yeah. And then they come up with their plan. He recognizes right they're heading to the Shadow Realm. And, uh, okay, let's come up with a plan. And from then, where they're, like, getting the ship together, they realize they got to use Stormbreaker, but that Stormbreaker yes. is... Yes, okay. ...is on the Fritz. Yep. And, and they have to channel the, the whole... energy through the goats and all that. Yes, that yeah. right there, it really comes to a screeching halt. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, on top of that, like, while I appreciate... I think it is cool, right, the whole communicating with uh, Heimdall's son. Like, that concept is cool but i think that we did it maybe one or one too many times throughout the course of the movie like it it made sense and it was necessary to get things going and to but like well they like, they only did it two or three times and it made sense as just like a kind of a i thought they used it just as the proper i think they did it twice they uses the proper device to recenter what's going on because remember after he does the first communication mm-hmm. they go to omnipotent city and they're there for like 20 minutes and they don't talk about the kids at all. Yeah. So they do it again to reframe. Okay, we went on that diversion in order to come back around and save the kids. So uh, you- I'm also thinking of the other scene where like Gore is in the cage with the kids while they're while Heimdall's son is trying to keep them. So calm. that's the scene. That's the scene that's probably extraneous. Yeah that that one is that whole thing was a little bit much. Like we're just like cool and i get it i do think it's a i think that is a worthy deleted scene that you can go check out and enjoy but breaks the movie a little bit like it's just i think they i think they realized fuck we have a really good thing with christian bale in this role and we just don't have him on screen long enough let's just leave him here to kind of deepen yeah the character as well as showcase him who's committing to this bit fully and, and it's like, you're right, it doesn't really work with the whole, but I feel like without it, we'd be deprived some of getting... That's fair. That's, that's fair. I mean, he is... He does a really good job with this really creepy, disturbing character. And I really liked how they started with, like, you know, he's a really... He's an empathetic character to begin with. Yeah. In, like, the, in the, in like the prologue. Mm-hmm. And... It shows like, the corruption... Well, yes, showing uh, his decay as a person throughout all of that. I thought it was it was helpful to get all of that. And that's why I said I think this is the best like villain we've got, at least on the movie side. Hmm. Um, the best villain we've gotten since uh, Thanos was killed. Uh, and I, I appreciated that, even though he really did not get enough, nearly enough screen time. And you know, part of it is, you know, he's the first character we've got in a long time who was a villain who, like Thanos... You could actually empathize with his pursuit, right? Like you, you're gonna reject it ultimately. Like he's gonna mm-hmm. kill all these gods, and that might be right or wrong. But that on, in the, it would be one thing if he was just assassinating the gods. He's killing so many innocent people on the way to doing that. Yeah, 
that it's like, okay, even if you had an argument for what you were trying to do here, it falls flat when you kill, you're leaving oceans of blood behind you. Right. Right. Um, but like, because you know where he came from and what he, why he should, he's not doing it for his own personal power, which again was another thing that loops him in with Thanos, right? Thanos was never doing it to become master of the universe. Right. Right. He was perfectly content to die after he completed his mission. Yeah. Same thing with Gore. Gore, I think ultimately knows that he, well, not, I think he says to, to Jane later in the movie, Oh, you're dying. We're on the, We're same, on the path. same path. Yeah. Like he's more, um, he's, like, I feel like he's more Wanda villain. in that way where it's like, he's corrupted by this thing. And like, that is leveraging his emotions and fears. That's pushing him to be the conduit for what the actual sword wants, which is to strike down all the gods. Right. And, it's explained well, I feel like, with Gore, whereas that was one of my issues that we talked about in Multiverse of Madness, where it's like, Wanda's motivations, I get it, but like the lengths that she's going through are convoluted because it's not really portrayed well that it's like kind of like this corruption from the Darkhold type of thing. It's, it's, it really is like the same story. <laughs> like, it is, although the only thing, actually, I thought this one was missing, they're kind of like weird, bizarre mirrors of each other is... I wish I knew what the Necrosword... I like a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, like that. Like, I agree. Like, because I assumed we were going to find there was some entity that was channeling through it, because sure. the sword's talking to him at the beginning and telling him to kill all the gods. It's like, okay, I fully understand why he wants to kill the gods. And I fully understand that the Necrosword is, like you said, leveraging that emotion in an unhealthy way, in addition to actually killing him in the process. Yeah. But why does a sword have motivation? Right. What I figured we would at some point find some puppet master that was pulling the string of the swords, like kind of like a Sauron's one ring where it's like, okay, the ring wants to get back to Sauron because there is a Sauron to get back to. So I was wondering if we're going to get some connection between the sword and eternity or Mm. the sword and some other celestial or something like that. That was, you know, never quite arrives. Yeah, so like, why would the sword have motivations? Yeah, I, you know what though. This is these are all of the things that are taking away from the movie that are preventing it from reaching that status that Ragnarok. Yes, is. and that's. I mean, while that's a shame, still a very enjoyable movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed the gore thing. I thought that he was yeah. a cool conduit to some like both really cool like themes and like thoughts and plot lines as well as some some cool stuff on screen i mean that shadow realm sequence since we saw like the snippet of it in the trailer i was like oh that looks cool as hell that like i call that the color pop fight that was really awesome where just like just the weapons had color that was so it was like very sin city that whole sequence was really cool uh i think part of it is just taika Waititi wanted to fuck around and do some black and white shooting but that's okay because we yeah. had some really cool scenes within it. But also like those those creepy shadow monsters, did they give off like a claymation vibe to you? Was it like uh, something about at, their framed movement that like reminded me of a little bit of like a Tim Burton thing? At times. Mm. Uh I wouldn't say every scene, but in certain yeah. sequences. That was, that was I think I think specifically in the black and white sequences. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Which actually was probably maybe even more of like a harkening back to like a old school like Godzilla or King Kong. Where they yeah, that's true. That's true. That could be that could be like the, the motivation for that too. I uh, one thing I thought was interesting with with Gore, like 
we see him, like you said, really cool to see him in the beginning as who the man is before he becomes this villain. And it's a, I do I appreciate the way that they, they go down that path. It's like, yeah, okay, makes sense. I'm not going to question it. Like, it makes sense that he would be absolutely pissed and then also corrupted easily, um, which is great. But the transition of his physical form into, like, what he becomes is so interesting to me. That's like the darkness is kind of taking over him, right? Is it like so he kind of he kind of the color it gets removed from him as well. Um, yeah. But one of the things that I thought was weird was like some of his like physical features, like the what used to be these like um, like colored like almost tattoos going down his head ended up looking like it was like stitching holding his head together. Like, well, I think it was basically becoming like scars, and like the stitching was like over top of it. Yeah, it was really creepy and weird. I mean, that was that's really cool, like costume design though. Like that stuff is like, let's make this look. Let's like let's show the corruption in so many different ways, like his actions, his physical appearance, like the the choice to have him like, kind of like chewing on ink through every scene. It's very <laughs> off putting, but it also it doesn't make me mad. It's not like in a in a way that makes me mad because he can deliver his lines so well that you hear them clearly. It just makes it very uncomfortable, which is kind of the point. Like he is yeah this like dark entity at that point, and that's. Uh, I thought that was really cool. I I can get on board with like you're saying, like you don't want to cut that scene out necessarily with him and the kids because it is so it's like let me let me ham it up a bit. Like let's be, let me be super gore for a second. <laughs> but pretty because cool character. We got, some, we got some really good moments where he like played the range of emotions, so he was like a little bit cheesy, but also like super grounded when he captures mm. the three of them in the shadow realm. And he has like his kind of like private, like seduction of each of them trying to get them over to his side to do what he needs to do or what he yeah. feels like he needs to do. I, like some of those moments, you got to actually see some of like the dramatic as opposed to the melodramatic yeah. stuff from him, specifically when he's talking to Jane, I thought, um, because I think, you know, he's obviously twisting the knife and cruel when he's talking to Thor and he walks the line between, that grounded and that um, that hyper like campy like villain when he's talking to Val, um, and then when he gets to Jane, it, you almost you almost even fall for the empathy sympathy card that he plays. Mm-hmm. We're talking to her, you know, we're not so different, you and I. Yeah, both dying, both empowered by this thing, <laughs> you know. But then we're not know, so you get, different, you and I. <laughs> you remember when I said that? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so watching that dynamic play out across his relationship with the three of them in that very short sequence, we chewed up so much scenery and theme and plot in that very small period of time that was like I thought super efficient. Really, yeah that that was like exposition through like like strong performance like even like just like right and it was just like i love that whole like you know like what you mentioned earlier with him talking to jane about like oh we're on the same path like really unveiling the whole she's dying i'm going to die by the end of this regardless like and that was cool him the way that he's talking to thor and like he knows that he can manipulate thor a little bit here because it is so clear to everybody else like how hooked on Jane he really is and how much he loves her and then what I thought was really cool was Valkyrie's always played this tormented character and they kind of just resurfaced that story because it's I feel like it's taken a bit of a back seat where of like 
all of the people that she loved died on the battlefield, like, and she survived, and like the torment that she's going through, like she's always drunk, right? She's always, she's always like putting this bandaid over her emotions, and like he just calls it out like it's nothing, and it's just like I just thought it was really cool to bring that character's emotions and story back into light because I do feel like it's a cool character that they needs a little bit more focus. Well, the funny thing was, is like he calls it out like immediately, but also so does Korg in a totally separate scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, when he when he when he very blatantly says what it like <laughs> the like very like textbook example of what she's feeling, how she's feeling, and why, and she goes, "Yeah, something like that." <laughs> oh, like uh, I feel like uh, you know you're missing the fact that your girlfriend maybe died on the battlefield and you're alone, and maybe you blame yourself for it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, that being said. Korg remains to be one of the best MCU characters and mm-hmm. bookending this movie with him doing the narration was perfection. He went from dad bod to god bod. Is that what it was? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, well, he went from dad bod to, no, sorry. He went from sad bod to dad bod. Sa- sad bod to from, dad bod. Oh no, sorry. God sad bod to god bod. Sad bod and sad bod to, uh, to dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so i love gorg so much uh must be hard for you to see your ex-girlfriend and your ex-hammer hanging out getting on so well (laughs) i will say as corny and cheesy as some of this was i really liked the introduction of the relationship between the thor and their weapon because Like, we always knew, obviously, there was a deep connection and that he was the only one who was worthy. And then we thought that maybe there was one or two other people in the galaxy who were worthy, and that's fine. Um, but ultimately, right, we disabused ourselves of that notion slightly with one of my favorite lines in all of the MCU when um, Thor has that moment um, with uh, with uh, Odin in, um, was it in a dream or in what? I forget where he says, uh, or like his sequence, I forget what the, if it's a dream sequence or what, where... He goes, but uh, Mjolnir's, you know, gone. I don't have my hammer. And he goes, are you Thor the god of hammers or are you Thor the god of thunder? You know, the the hammer is just meant to channel that power or whatever. That's, you know, where he he fully actualizes in Thor Ragnarok. Right. And so we've been disabused of the notion of him needing the weapon, but that he's better with the weapon because it's a focus and a channel for his own natural power. And I liked that we got to intersperse sequences of him fighting with the weapon versus on his own. Yes. And seeing that when he's in control, he can fight just as well without it, but some of his cooler sequences happen with it. For sure. And watching the, not just the react, the relationship of, Oh, this is important to me in the perspective of when I have this, I feel like the best version of myself right. to it is almost its own sentient thing <laughs> that we have a symbiotic relationship with and that it can have its own thoughts and emotions and you know Stormbaker is on the fritz some because the two of them are on the fritz and one of them is jealous of the other yep. and he's jealous of the hammer and oh of Jane when he does that thing when he tries to call over Mjolnir and he's like Come on, come on. And Stormbreaker comes from the side of the screen, slowly sliding. Hey, you! So fantastic. And trumped only by one specific scene, and it's when he tries to make amends with Mjolnir. On Give him a ship. beer. And he pours the beer on the ass. 
Deli- it's just like delicious or something like that, Andrew. Yes. He goes, you know, uh, you know you've been, you've, you're probably old enough now to finally enjoy your own first beer and we, we should have a first beer together. And he pours it, oh, yes, is it delicious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jane, I want to feel shitty about you. <laughs> no. Let me try that again. <laughs> oh, man, that, that's so good. I do love it. The, and the, and I, I like that they keep harping on it. The, the relationship with the with the weapon is just so funny. Uh, when he's talking about how cool Zeus's <laughs> thunderbolt is, uh, and the the the, uh, the ship kind of like kips because the because the stormbreaker is getting pissed. This is a perfect weapon for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's so good. I uh, back to Korg and. Uh, speaking of Thunderbolt for a second, also Lightning Bolt, his name is Thunderbolt. If you really liked someone's weapon or admired it so much, I think you call it by the right name. <laughs> uh, how ridiculous was that Zeus performance? Yeah, I had heard about it, and he really went for Greek by way of Baba de Boopy Italian. Yeah. American. Yes. He really did. It was uh, it was a choice. It was, and it it kind of works in the realm of like this new Ragnarok Thor. I'm not saying it was the wrong choice. I'm just saying it was a choice. It, yeah, yeah, no, I know. But the uh, I think the the one thing that in particular that gets me is when he lands the the little stage thing that he's on, and he like lifts his skirt and runs down the steps. Yes, that was. <laughs> Oh, that killed me. But when he threw Thunderbolt at Korg, I nearly had a panic attack. Yeah. I was like, There's no fucking way. I was like, this, yeah. And then, oh, turns out the only thing that's alive are our mouths. <laughs> so good. Uh, I do like that also tying him to the back of Valkyrie's head, and he was giving a very, very specific times. Of where? <laughs> oh, 745, 820. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh God, what is he doing? Also, I love that her hair became like a very awkward handlebar Ma- mustache. Yes, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Trying to whistle for the goats. Oh, That's yeah. not it. That's not it. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> I got big uh, C-3PO and Empire Strike Backs on Chewie's back vibes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can see that for sure. The, uh... <laughs> when... The goats arrive the first time and they are screaming. I'm just like, oh god! I was like, first off, like we're like, I don't know, five or six years too late on this joke. And then they screamed a couple more times, and I was like, I feel like this is gonna get old. And then somehow they used it so perfect that the one that gets me, and it's I've watched the movie twice now, both times, laugh out loud moment is when they were approaching that that realm, the black and white one. And they crash into it, and there's a pause, and then the goat scream. Like, it's very dark and very serious, and then the scream happens, and I was like, you sons of bitches, you got me. Also, I was, <laughs> I was really confused at first, until I realized, oh, it's the Shadow Realm. Ra- Rainbows don't exist, that's why they crashed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> also, the, the screaming goats even got to get into that fight, too. They, they took yeah. out one of those Shadow Monsters. They did, the, and while screaming. Yes, of course. But it was yeah that that sidekick was pretty great. That was pretty great. I uh, 
<laughs> when they're standing, when they're in Zeus's, well, when they're in whatever that council area is, who's talking? Cork? Like, These guys, <laughs> Cork. <laughs> you never said go. <laughs> I did appreciate all the ridiculous, um, all the ridiculous gods. I appreciate that. Um, I could not parse what the name of Korg's god was, but that he, the rock god, was sitting on a throne of scissors, Iron mm. Throne style, because yep. rock beats scissors. Yeah, perfect joke. Just perfect. Ten out of ten. No notes. Bow the god of dumplings. Bow. <laughs> oh, you know what joke really got me? Uh, another one that I actually think I may have lost a little bit of uh, my drink in the theater when this one happened was the. When uh, uh, Thor visits Sif, and he's like, maybe your arm is in Valhalla? Yes! <laughs> Just leave me to die here, as I will go to join my forebears in the halls of Valhalla. Uh, see, you have to die valiantly in battle, and you have survived the battle. So, uh, perhaps your arm rests in the halls of Valhalla. <laughs> Uh, I looked up a bunch of quotes from the movie. There's no ding dong oh, anymore about rushing, especially not Zeus's bum. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, on the topic of Sif, before I forget. Yeah. Well, I think my favorite part of all of Korg's narration is when he talks about the deaths of the Warriors 3 and doesn't even know who they are. Yeah. During that, uh, and then, uh, yeah, he, he had a lot of loss. He lost his mom and his dad and his brother and then his brother again and then his brother again. He lost that guy, and he lost that guy, and that guy too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, when he's in the council and Zeus flicks off his clothes and he's got the Loki tattoo on his back. Not just the Loki tattoo, the incredibly dramatic and over-the-top Loki. It was as bad as the Ben Affleck dragon tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, speaking of over-the-top and dramatic, the cameo... Of Matt Damon again, and was it Luke Hemsworth? Yes, and Sam Neill. And Sam Neill, so good. And Melissa McCarthy. That was good too. Yeah, as Hella. Yeah, so funny. the The sprinkling of the of the gold (laughs) glitter as I'm I'm disappearing. (laughs) I'm turned into dust. Oh, look at me. Oh, and after the town gets falls into disarray, they're like they have to go to Valkyrie. Like, can we can we put on a performance of this? The town needs this right now. I, I didn't a no. hear a no. I didn't hear a no. <laughs> oh man, what a silly movie! I I was about to say something, and I lost it. Um, one so. To, to fast forward a moment to the end final final battle with the kids imbuing them with the power of Thor for a limited time only was really great way of actually like okay, how do we how do we do this how do we tie this area up and get these kids out of here and then letting them absolutely wreak havoc and kick ass including the girl with the bunny which oh, yeah. may be the best scene of that fight uh, just screaming and <laughs> turning in circles and just vaporizing things with the bunny was pretty amazing. I I absolutely loved that. Uh, the and I also thought they did some pretty cool things with the mechanics of 
uh, of Mjolnir and like breaking the necro. Was it necro sword? Necro. Yeah. Um, that that was pretty awesome. The, actually, one thing in general with with uh, with Mjolnir, the the whole new feature that it has because it is in a million pieces of being able to like project out into a bunch of pieces and like do like a wide area of damage was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, that was cool as shit. I thought like, this like yeah. Just using it as projectiles, blowing it up, bring it back together, watching it tread through people. The way it grabbed those sections of the necro sword, so cool. And then just able to bash it at the end with it like internal to it. I thought that was all really cool. So badass. Uh, only, only to end in the death of Jane. I was honestly a little surprised that that was the way they went with it, but I'm, I'm not surprised that they could only get her back for one movie, considering all the trials and tribulations they went to to we get her. Saw the post credit. See now, I did. Oh, the second one. Yeah, the. I mean, it seems like yeah. she's in. I feel like. Uh, I feel like she'll be back. I mean, I was just as surprised that they got her back, Idris Elba for that. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it took him forty-five minutes to shoot that scene, but still. <laughs> um, I thought he had been kind of done with the series, which is why mm. they killed him off in Ragnarok. That was. Uh, no, it was uh, wasn't it uh, Endgame? Infinity War, I mean, the first one. Infinity oh War. yeah, I guess so. That was such an abrupt end, like to some characters. It was like, oh my god, what is happening right now? <laughs> In that opening of that movie, it's such a great movie. God, I want to rewatch everything. I want to rewatch it all. I love it so much. The bringing back Gore's finally, you know, um, now that the sword is gone. It, it actually kind of makes sense that there's now a little bit more reasoning with Gore. Uh, and it's easier for they can actually get through to him. And his wish instead is for her to, for his daughter to be back. That scene of the reflection pool and the daughter and like in the reflection, it looks like eternity. And then as they mm-hmm. pan back up out of the reflection, it's his daughter. That was such a yeah. cool transition. Also, he, like, his performance in that singular scene was entirely too much for this movie. Like, I mean that like complimentarily, like yeah. that was like, I'm not saying he should be nominated for an Oscar. He shouldn't be nominated for an Oscar, but like, <laughs> but he's like he always going for it. <laughs> delivering like Oscar caliber work in the last 90 seconds of his screen time in this ridiculous superhero movie. That's yeah. Like, Christian, no one's making you do this. Like, yeah. I appreciate you're doing it, but no one is making you do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. The uh will this will always get like cheers and applause from me, but the way that the finale is narrated, uh many just know them as simply love and thunder. Like that yes. like as they're diving through oh, the that was so cool. What'd you say? I said, Oh, they, they said, said it. <laughs> <laughs> that was just so um, that was so badass. Getting back to for a second to the the gore thing, I I actually thought that was a really cool way to bring it all full circle, right? Because he's he said, obviously he was doing it all for his daughter, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, we were talked already. He's talking to Jane. We're both on the same path. It's both gonna end up with us dead. But he was willing to lay down his life to get back his daughter, and once his head was clear, him realizing that he was going to lay down his life to get back his daughter, but then his daughter wouldn't get the benefits of him and his life and realizing what a Pyrrhic victory that would be and trying to 
make amends by securing Thor's help for her realizing, oh, I fucked up so bad. And also kind of the gall of him to ask Thor to care for his daughter after he just was responsible for the death of the woman he loved. Yeah. But to show the grace in Thor to be able to look past that to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. We also got a lot of... Well, that was the whole thing that like Thor is the god that they should be. He was the right. god that they deserve, but not the one they needed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but... Um, and also, we had a pretty heavy amount of soundtrack exposition slash other foreshadowing as they used Sweet Child of Mine two mm-hmm. or three times during the course of this movie. Then had Korg and Val talk about how Thor would be such a great father, but that ultimately him and Jane probably wouldn't be able to have a kid. Yep. Do you think that up. Thor and Jane will stand over a lava rock? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, like, the level of foreshadowing was palpable throughout the course of the movie. And then for them to to pay that off with him having a child by obviously very unconventional means, even more unconventional than holding hands in front of lava. Yeah. Um, That was nice and poetic and all. Um, Also, I on the topic of Korg and Jane, I really appreciated that every time he tried to recall what her name was, he kept getting it wrong with the actresses. Yep. Jane Fonda, Jodie Foster. <laughs> yep. So good. Oh my god. What I was just scrolling through and I saw there was one more one I have one final note. No, I have two actually, but one one quote note, which is back when they uh, when Thor is trying to rally everybody in the town hall and he's like We're gonna get the children back and then we shall feast. <laughs> Not all the children, we don't do that. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just love. I love that they can have those ridiculous lines. Like th- th- I think that's where it's almost the juxtaposition is like too much, right? It's like the dichotomy of like there's like how serious some of the story is versus the comedy. Whereas like Ragnarok, it's all extra campy, and it works. Whereas, like, it's maybe was Christian Bale just bringing too much to the table that actually does break away? (laughs) Like, it makes it too serious in those moments. Well, I think the I just think that they struck a better balance. They kind of found ways to seamlessly transition from we're having fun and we're riffing here and we're doing hands and to okay, let's have a character moment for five minutes here. Yeah, as opposed to this one, it felt like wild swings like they couldn't get the meter dialed in where yeah hey we're doing jazz hands and oh god said and jazz hands said yeah it's like <laughs> whoa <It's> uh, <laughs> like the, then, the yo-yoing i think is is part of it just that it was a little rougher around the edges i think another thing i kind of alluded to earlier that i want to talk about a little bit more mm. another one of the major i'm gonna say flaws in this in, in, in regards to what holds it from being as good as ragnarok which is a very high board measure against, obviously. I think, you know, a lot of the conversation around why the first two Thor movies ultimately were a failure, with the exception of budgetary fuckery in the first one, is that they didn't really know what to do with the character. Yeah. And that Taika Waititi is the first person to really find out what to figure out what to do with the character. And 
they didn't exactly retread the same ground in this one, but it comes a little close to it. And I think that, you know, we saw so much growth in him through the course of Ragnarok where he finally becomes actually, you know, not the God they deserve, but the one they needed right now. Mm -hmm. Right. He was the one who actually saves them from, you know, the destruction of Asgard and all and spirits him away and makes the self-sacrifice in a way that he had never done before to really, to save his own people. And then he immediately hands off the reins to Valkyrie, which I get, and that's fine. Uh, in uh, in the Avengers movies, right? And he goes through his depression after Infinity War into Endgame. Yeah. So, in the third one, he was trying to figure out how to grow up. He figures out how to grow up. And then in the fourth one, he's trying to figure out who he is. And I think, like, when you look at him quickly, those two things, those two processes can look pretty similar. <clears throat> Yeah. So it feels like he's retreading a lot of the same ground, even though he isn't exactly. Because at this point, like, yeah, he does some of the childish, cheesy stuff that they just play for comedy at times. And that's largely fine. But it's just, it's different flavors of the mopiness of trying to figure out what to do next that it can feel similar, even though it's not. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Because he still, can't, like, Carries on the heroic journey. He doesn't have to be prodded. In fact, he's the one who does the product. No, we got to go save these kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, so like he clearly has still that the leadership role, even though he doesn't have necessarily the fully actualized sense of purpose. Yeah. yeah. The you know it's interesting to me the um yeah you're right about I'm just sorry just like I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place but like he's I think like you said like discovering who he is like he's past he's past the putting on of a facade of like while determining like what his journey is or like who he's becoming now he's, he's like past all of that he's actually on this like internal self-discovery without the projection of like trying to be something else he's just yeah almost like adrift as he's figuring it out, which is a different uh, vibe for sure. Um, the one thing I thought was really weird. It almost seems like they maybe backed themselves into a corner with the end of Endgame and him leaving with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like they I, they didn't have to have much more, but like it seemed like let's let's quickly get out of this thing that we started because it's not really the story that we want to tell. Like and they had, to, and I appreciate that they they didn't just skip over it entirely and they had them in there for a little bit. Uh, but it was it, it felt a little bit weird to like yeah start the movie off like that and then just get them out of there because it's like actually we have no we have we have too many other things to focus on. We don't have room for this. <laughs> and well, maybe- I actually wondered. Considering how quickly they shoved them at the door, I, I actually expected them to come back for the end game. Sure. Uh, so I was a little disappointed to see that didn't happen, but there was so much else going on. I I get why they didn't, but I thought that that would have been kind of nice dovetailing of those two stories, like you know, and, and like how you come back full circle. Yeah. On all of that, um, 
I'm glad that they, like you said, I'm glad they they actually tackled some of it. And I had said when we when we saw in game, I was really looking forward to seeing what that would look like because I thought that Taika Waititi could do some fun stuff with the Guardians. Yeah. Obviously, we love what James Gunn's done with all of that, but it would have been cool to see Taika take his hand in it, and he didn't really too much. And I, and I get it; it's tough to ask them all <laughs> to do this as well. But it would Cracklin, have you been here that whole time? <laughs> this is my wife. <laughs> What do we tell you about diving headfirst into relationships? <laughs> no, diving headfirst into marriage. Marriage. <laughs> we should stop doing that. Yes, we should stop doing that, which implies that this is like like the tenth time he's done this. Oh man. I also liked the goodbye handshake. Human handshake as guardian handshake. The serpent is a devious one. <laughs> wow, you're really dragging this out. <laughs> Finish with the Asgardian high one. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he, I mean, the ridiculousness of that character, like, it's so funny, like, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, right? Like, he created the on-screen version of Iron Man in a way that nothing else could replace that. Like that is, that is Iron Man. And I feel like Chris Hemsworth has done a tremendous job evolving Thor into that, where this is what Thor is now. And like, there's, I can't, there's no other picture of him for me. It's just this goofy, lovable, (laughs) like trying to figure things out, kind of adolescent because he lives forever like <laughs> guy and it's just it's wonderful <laughs> it's so well done i love it i also love that korg found love yeah with uh what was his name was it frank or jeff or something something like that <laughs> I don't know. very distinct mustache <laughs> yeah which who knew that rocks could grow a mustache yeah yeah i just like also that he like he grew his body back don't worry about it which, you know, that's probably all you gotta say. It's fine. Right? I don't care. I don't need any more. I kind of wondered whether he would great. just stay as a face, because that would have been sad at first. Well, I, I thought they were going to kill him off. I was like, wow, does this mean like Taika's done entirely? And uh, yeah, we still have some hope. And, and actually, further to that point, I was surprised, considering at the end of Endgame, it seemed like he might be out the door, and then we got Thor, Love, and Thunder. It's like, okay, is this going to be the end of his story? And at the end of the movie, it says Thor will return. Oh, okay. I'm very pleased to see, considering most of the rest of the legacy first run of the Avengers is kind of gone. Yeah, I do feel like there's a chance that the next Thor is going to be like Thor Valhalla, and it is the last that we see of him. Well, I also wonder, you know, we just might not really see him for a long time, and mm. he's comes back for, like, the Kang Dynasty. Sure. The Avengers Kang Dynasty. Like, we could just not see him for three years? In well, I mean, like, as it stands, that's probably going to be the case. It's either that or he'll show up in Guardians, right? It's possible. Like, to tie, maybe, think, maybe to tie it in there instead of the other way like we thought they were going to do. You're going to need someone of his power for the fight against Kang, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That'll be interesting. Oh, he's going to lose his mind when he sees Loki, though. Yeah, which it'll be cool to see that Reunion again. Uh, yeah. I'm sure they'll have a good joke cooked up for when he sees his tattoo. Absolutely. Yeah. Or when Thor tries to hide his tattoo. <laughs> I hope the weir- so. The, the weirder thing is going to see Thor with Loki and other Loki. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we going to get a whole thing considering like Loki fell in love with Loki and is like Thor also going to fall in love with Loki? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's it's just going to be Three's Company MCU. <laughs> also, I don't know why, but um Matt Matt Damon in the knockoff Loki costume with the all black and the black tie. I don't know why it kind of cracks me up. Yeah, same. It's just because it, it just looks like community theater Loki. Yeah, so good. Anything else in this movie? Um. Oh, I, Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, so actually, sorry, yeah, I totally forgot about that, and we definitely need to talk about that for a second. Um, so was I... Well, uh, Grant, I was slightly tired at the end of that movie, but is, is that what he said in his terrible Greek accent? Did he say Hercules? Yes. Okay, because I thought he kind of garbled his line there, and I wasn't 100% sure what he said. Didn't matter what he said, honestly. Um, but yeah, I. so the funny no, What he was, said was, I know it was hard to understand, but he said he's here, he's there. He's every fucking Roy Roy Um So months ago, when the movie came out, I heard that he had a brief cameo in the movie, and he talked about how he li- they literally gave him two weeks to like get in shape, <laughs> which doesn't make sense, but okay. Yeah. And then months went by, and I watched this movie, and I totally forgot that he was supposed to be in it nice and when i saw him i was like oh my god that's right he's supposed to be in this movie yeah. here he is. that's cool as hell i mean it takes the baton from um the end of eternals where we had a bunch of characters possibly introduced uh which took the baton from uh guardians 2 which had um well both of those movies ended with adam warlock right so mm-hmm. uh <laughs> some versions of adam um and in this one we get hercules i guess um, yeah, it's a Brett, Brett, Brett Gold scene, right? Yes, he is, uh, he's having a moment for himself. Uh, he's also in that commercial um, for I forget what it's for. The soccer player, and he, I'll send you the commercial. He's okay. here for two seconds. It's totally random, but I'm pretty sure because like Bill Lawrence is like kind of a friend of the Levitard show, so he's on once in a while. Like I guess he's been living in. Miami recently for whatever other project he's working on currently. I forget if it's a movie or a show. And so he'll stop in by the show once in a while or call in. And um, so Brett was kind of sort of one of the co-writer slash creators of that show and oh. originally wasn't supposed to act in the show and then ended up booking the role of Roy and they expanded the role because he was so good at it. That's pretty funny. I love that. Which I had no idea because I didn't know that he wasn't Same. like... Because if you look like he's... A, He's one of the like the executive producers of the show. Yeah. Um. But I didn't realize that that was kind of sort of how like the shorthand version of how that story went. I had just heard that pretty recently on the show. Um. So between all of that, like he's he's uh, really had quite the uh, <laughs> the rise all of a sudden, and that's cool. I, you know, yeah, we'll see what Hercules is all about. I do think it's funny that like we have the existence of a Thor and we kept talking about gods. And then when he mentions that there's a Zeus, she's like, wait, the Zeus, like Zeus, Zeus. I think it's just his first thing. (laughs) 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 Like that was where she lost it. Like she was cool with the idea of a Thor and an Odin and uh, Loki and all the rest. And Mm -hmm. Oh, there are so many other gods. Okay, sure. That makes sense, I guess. But we drill the line at Zeus. 
That's pretty funny. That I that scene was great. I also really love when Mighty Thor is trying to find her catchphrase throughout the movie. Oh yeah, Eat just... my hammer. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool moment as she's about to go and she whispers in his ear. That was that's the best one yet. <laughs> Firstly, it's Mighty Thor. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll take Dr. Jaden Foster. <laughs> Third. <laughs> so you don't think that's actually Valhalla in the final cutscene? Or credit scene, whatever? No, I think it is. I just think that event, I think that Thor is gonna end up there too. Well, I suppose it's possible. And, and also Sif's arm. The way they introduced it was kind of meant to be disorienting, right? Because she she's died yeah. got on to, to heaven or whatever, but those arches she walks through, mm-hmm. was that not the same as the arch that they were building in New Asgard? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, almost like a gate. Yeah. Yeah. You got that. I, and it also seemed like it may have been broken in the same spot. Oh, was it? I I'm actually not entirely sure. That, I feel did, like it might have been did, broken. When his faulty by frost <laughs> happened, he did. Dude, when they do slapstick stuff like that in the background... And like a character is just careening through space. It's just well, that's really what it is. It's got to be in the background, right? Yeah, I love it. But uh, oh, the other other thing, Darcy got uh, a little cameo, and you should play. What was it? You should play the God card. Is that what she says? The Viking card. Uh, the what? What the what? You should play the Viking card. <laughs> the handsome Viking card. The handsome Viking card. It's not a card. Yes, it's, it's, a card. It's, it's a card. It's a very handsome card, and it's it very handsome. Card. <laughs> Um, well, she got a small cameo, but an even smaller cameo was still in Skarsgård. Is, uh, yeah. Is oh, Eric Solvig. So sad, though. Was just on a computer screen for nine seconds. Yeah, just being depressed about Jane's cancer. Uh, you got cancer. That's sad. That's terrible. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when she's doing her chemo and the kid's reading the book, that was that was also pretty good. Yeah. You've never seen Event Horizon? Or well, she she names like three other things, right? <laughs> Interstellar. Interstellar was one of them. Event Horizon was one of them. Um, I, I couldn't remember if there was another one. Um, uh, do they? Do they ever allude to what what she got cancer from? Was it from the ether or whatever? They. I don't think they say. I feel like that's the assumption. Right. Like it have to be. Yeah. But who knows. Or maybe just her exposure to like the oh, Bifrost radiation. and such. But who knows? Because it would seem like it was out of nowhere and kind of rapid, right? Yeah. Doll uh, Jane. <laughs> Eat my hammer. Love it. Cool. You got anything else? I feel like you had one more thing before we went into the Hercules thing. So I just wanted to give you the floor one last time. No, I think it was just going to be the, the Valhalla thing. Sweet. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in a Six at thespintune.com. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. And I'm yawning. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. <laughs>